This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, February 1st, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. Mm. Can be found on manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex. Mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, anything you could possibly think of that you could make out of melted plastic, they will melt it up just for you. Do it right. Use a code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. You know, you can't just take a good night's sleep for granted. And someone that's never done that also attended the Trump rally this weekend. Ooh! It's giving a nice little shout out. Mr. Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow, the humblest of all pillow farmers. Has savings going on at MyPillow.com forward slash steak that are greater than ever before. You've got uh, 50% off all bed-related items, original MyPillows, lowest prices imaginable. And of course, you've got Giza Dream everything. You talk to a qualified pillow representative at uh, 1-800-658-8045. Don't forget to enter that promo code STEAK at checkout for big, big savings. The top tier of ear gear in the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey and odyssey.com. Whether you're uh, gaming, potting, a wayward son, etc., make sure that the uh, sounds that are coming through your ears are the absolute best, and you can find those all at Odyssey. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. Been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL and has got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. Get all your ammo needs taken care of as well via the telephone, 619-870-6992, or on Facebook Messenger. Our first responders are always working hard, and we support them uh, bigly on this show. When they're off-duty, they're wearing gear from Mediocre Medic, sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. And then when they're on duty, they got stickers and patches representing our friends down at MediocreMedic.com. You can find them on their fire IG as well. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair can be found at Dumpbox. Consequently, is the home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. Don't know? Ask Mark. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Dumpbox.us. 
Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our Telegram, and more. On that note, welcome. Tuesday edition. Steak for Breakfast Podcast. Episode 104. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yep. Antoinette's joined us. What's up, guys? How's it going? We've got a huge show lined up for you today. Big America First and Arizona First, as we're going to have Miss Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham joining us. But in addition to that, senatorial candidate out of the great state of Missouri, Eric Greitens, and newly announced candidate looking to represent Texas 17, Jason Storm Nelson. But before we get to any of our guests today, let's jump into the news. We do have a couple of... uh, shopkeeping agenda items that I do want to touch on with the rest of the pod crew before we get into the Trump rally, which is going to be our first new segment. We have a shop? Kind of. What? What's up? Shop speak. Well, you know, just to let our listening audience know, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be uh, joining an endeavor to help amplify the voice of Steak for Breakfast and a lot of other podcast friends of ours moving forward. We're going to be available on a new platform. Um, it's going to continue to be free. It's definitely something that's fluid and, you know, changing day by day, but it's really rolling forward right now. Antoinette and Noah's both seen the uh, the pre- preview and the teasers, and uh, we're all pretty excited about it. So we're going to be able to uh, get our voice out to a whole lot more people moving forward, and that's going to be happening in just a couple weeks. I didn't know you were going to announce that right now. Yeah. Well, I'm not formally announcing it. I'm just giving like a teaser to oh, the teaser. Yeah. Right, so but I, I didn't know you're going to do the teaser. You know, yeah, some of our friends on so- social media, <gasps> thank you, sharing our uh, our <laughs> little venture together, and uh, we may be coming to a living room near you sooner than you thought. Mm-hmm. Still, only in audio context. Yeah, not in person. Uh, another thing I want to touch <laughs> That'd on: be breaking and entering. I don't really think it's worthy of a, of an entire news segment, but it's definitely something that you know the America First movement kind of rallied around last week, and uh, I wanted to kind of touch on it with with you guys here. It was the stuff that happened with Robbie Starbuck. You know, a lot of people have been out there on social medias slamming President Trump, saying that he's got a lot of people working around him whose America First values aren't the number one interest of themselves; it's money, and a lot of that is probably true. But, I mean, at the same time, you have to take into context now that we've gone through an entire four-year presidency with President Trump, the amount of people that work with him and, and all the things he's trying to do in the Save America movement. So not making any excuses, and we have to call it out every once in a while. He made a really bad call with endorsing somebody that has not formally introduced a candidacy to run in the district where Robbie Starbucks has been working so hard for over the last year. Um, we, we saw a lot of people in the America First Trump-endorsed movement who are already in the House of Representatives, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Nassan Cawthorn, and Matt Gates, come to Robbie's defense. You know, we talked to him about it on social media, and we'll be having him back real soon. Uh, but it was it was really good to see that the people who genuinely have and are supposedly already working on behalf of the, you know, whole Save America thing, come to his defense and talk about the amazing campaign he's uh, been running down there in Tennessee 5. And I want to circle back. This is kind of a state exclusive. I don't even think I told Noah and uh, Antoinette about this. We had Robbie on a couple months ago. It was shortly after he got, like, some formal and and national endorsements uh, moving forward from some, some pretty big bangers in the Republican Party. I had someone from one of the news networks, an executive, reach out to me on social media because I was sharing the show, 
And they were telling me about how he, he didn't think that that guy even had a chance in the Republican primary, more or less the the general election for Tennessee five against a Democratic challenger. And I said, you want to know what I, I've done? Pretty deep dive in this guy's campaign. He seems like he's genuine. He's in it for the right reasons. I think it was somebody that was probably going to get endorsed by Trump. That kind of backfired on me. Mm-hmm. But all the rest of the things, you know, he's done, he's done them all correctly, and he's done a amazing job of it. And if you just go and watch some of the videos that he shares, and I think it's some of the things he brings from the music industry and from Hollywood that goes into those, you know, minute 30, two minute videos that he always puts up on the social media, especially Twitter, that really gives you an inside look into what his family's all about, what, how he really feels this country's direction is going in and what he wants to do when I still feel that he's going to win a house seat in Tennessee five in November. So it's one of those things. It was great to see all those real patriots in the house and in the America First movement come out and support him last week. And, uh, you know, I just think moving forward, we really have to be able to all be on that level as someone that really cares about where this country is going into the midterms. If if somebody, even President Trump, makes a bad call, we have to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you, you even had accounts like Sebastian Gorka, I saved the tweet. It was the next day, probably 18 hours later, and it says... President Trump has been made aware of the Robbie Starbucks situation, and he's been advised. Oh, I saw that one. Yeah, he, he never he never walked it back. You oh, know, wow. he he never took his statement down. But I really don't think that someone who wants to work directly with supporting Joe Biden, like Morgan Ortegas, is going to number one run in Tennessee five. And if she does, she's not getting the America First support that even a Trump endorsement may try to bring. Mm. Right. I mean, regardless of, I mean, obviously we know that Trump's endorsements are huge yeah. for. Who- he endorses i mean it's almost almost a shoe in every time right mm-hmm. and sometimes we don't understand why he endorses some people you can have your theories you know maybe he's putting him in the spotlight and putting him on the spot to do the right thing because they have more of a chance or more experience depending on like you know where they're running for example but somebody like robbie starbuck i think regardless of trump's endorsement of the other person i think he still has a really good chance yeah, so do I. I think he's definitely part of the equation that goes into the Save America movement, period. I just think he is. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I see him getting nothing but stronger after that whole thing. So I think so, too, because the people right now are stepping up more than ever and they're really paying attention and they know how important the midterms are. And I mean, and I think it's a good thing. Like, you don't like just because Trump, obviously, we know it's good when he does this, but he's not going to be here forever. You know, the people need to like be more involved the way that they have been. And I think it's good that they will, you know, disagree. It's healthy to disagree with some of the things any leader does, no matter how much you love him with everything else. So, I mean, in this, in this situation, I honestly think he still has a great shot. Like yes. You said it, and it might be like, actually help him in this regard. Yeah, it certainly is, and, and we'll just continue to track it. And, you know, I talked to Robbie offline. We're going to continue to support him any way that we can, and uh, we're going to get him back on the show soon, not necessarily talk about that, but continue to talk about his America First agenda and his platform for his candidacy in, in Tennessee 5. Last thing I kind of want to touch on, it's not really, like, segment-worthy because it would be weird just commentary uh, on hours of honking, but <laughs> tr- truck-a-palooza right now that's going on up I in Ottawa. Honking. Yeah, and the Canadian capital there where, uh, you know, you have hundreds of thousands of truck drivers and, and all of their vehicles and the, the great patriots up in, uh, you know, our neighbor to the north who are kind of staging a sit-in or a honk-in right now in regards to repealing the vaccine mandates uh, for truck drivers and, and, and a lot of their workforce there in Canada. I think it's an amazing movement. 
Um, I think Justin Trudeau has overplayed his hand big time. You think? He, he's kind of like the uh, Gavin Newsom of Canada. <laughs> and uh, calling these people small, fringe, and terrorists has not worked out to his best interest because they're just having a big old party in Ottawa right now. And across all of Canada, I saw several of the ports of entry from Canada going into the United States were blocked by truck drivers who they were trying to stop from making it to the to the capital there. And uh I just think oh, it's, they're just trying to say you don't have any reason to go to Canada right now. Right. You have a truck. <laughs> Obviously, you don't need to go to Canada. So it's, it's, it's just crazy it, that he even said any anything of a sort. It's like they're so like they have no awareness of really what's happening. The more they do and say that shit, the more fired up. They oh, get. yeah. It's hilarious. It's it's so funny. I mean, did you see the way he looked? He looked like kind of rattled and he his face has changed I in mean, that like video. The the, the yeah, joke, like jowls and shit. <laughs> the Joe Kent tweet he shared of like the Saddam Hussein spider hole, and, <laughs> where Justin Trudeau probably is, uh, I thought was really funny as well. And it, Got it's, him. listen, it's it's we've seen it all over the world for over a year now. All of these countries, Germany, France, we've seen millions of people march in Brazil, all over the world against these vaccine mandates and uh, vaccine passports and tracking systems. It has now come to our backyard. Literally, and we see possibly a movement of truckers maybe heading to D.C. So, and, you know, we saw all the funny things people calling. There was, like, one guy at this entire rally yesterday walking around with, like, a ski mask and goggles on and a Confederate flag, and everybody was calling him a Fed or the Ray Epps of Canada. Yeah. I love uh, it. I love how they know now. It's so good because instantly. (laughs) They all know not to go into any of the buildings there, and they're just going to continue to peacefully protest and hold that line. Well, there was, like, some other probably plant with a swastika flag and then there was like some Nazi guys or whatever that was just it seems so fabricated and weird but at the same time you're always going to have in a big conglomeration of people yeah there's going to be a pack of retards in there yeah and just that's how it always is yeah but but i think at this point though for the most part that the majority of the people in the movement will find those retards Mm -hmm. and and handle it and be like yo no not here this is not (laughs) okay you know we're like Enough. Yeah, I saw people trying to just devalue what's going on, and you know, well, think shift the shift here. the uh, shift the attention away from it. It's like, what do you have if you have one white supremacist and one hundred people standing next to him protesting together? You have one hundred and one white supremacists. It's like, shut the <laughs> fuck up. It's just not the case. How about like? Yeah, I know. Like, w- not everybody can go and just beat up people that they disagree with. That's not how the world. Is supposed to work, yeah. No, sure, but I think we're policing our own. Oh, for sure, yeah. are, are on like our side, you know, and they're not planted feds because it's so obvious. The planted ones, it's they're so cheesy and they're getting worse and worse or more obvious by the day. Yeah, there was there was uh, footage of them like walking with the media people that were filming and stuff like that too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just one of those things I kind of wanted to touch on those before we really. Uh, get into the Trump rally. But before we even get into that, we're going to be sitting down with our favorite future governor of the great state of Arizona, Miss Carrie Lake, coming up right now. All right, joining us first today on this Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast, she is the Trump-endorsed candidate to be the next governor of the great state of Arizona. And she's joining us again um, after a little bit of uh, a break. Miss Carrie Lake, thanks for joining us today. It's so good to be on with you. This is still one of my favorite podcasts ever. Oh, and I'll never right. forget the name, Steak for Breakfast. It's just perfect. <laughs> sure. Well, a couple times a year, I'm sure you'll probably run into some Steak for Breakfast, so then you just think of us when you do go and eat that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, ma'am. How are you? Excellent. We're doing great. We're soaring in the polls. We've got good fundraising numbers. We've got President Trump's endorsement. We have a movement. Life is good. Arizona is on the way to be a saved state. We're not going to let California drag us down. No offense to you guys. Please please continue to uh, bash it. We identify as another state. Yeah, We just haven't decided which one yet. (laughs) You guys can identify as Arizonans. How's that? I like it. I definitely will be after the midterm elections. Um, I thought about buying a house in Yuma because it's close enough to drive to, but far enough away from California. mm -hmm. That's not a bad idea. Would be what, like a three, two and a half, three hour drive? Mm. Yeah, about, about two and a half. And then you get uh, yeah. a lot easier uh, accessibility to ammo as well. Yeah. For all sure. those guns we don't oh. need. Yeah. Yeah. You can actually buy ammo. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, Miss Lake, let's get jump right into it. So we saw you recently at uh, a couple weeks ago at a Trump rally. They had a huge one there in Arizona. I brought you up on stage, of course, to uh, thunderous applause. And, and you know, obviously you already mentioned you're endorsed by by the president. How was that experience? Uh, and, and how do you see that, you know, uh, kind of feeding into the movement that you've got going on right now? It's it was so amazing. I mean, we we draw big crowds when whenever we do an event and I'll I'll go speak to, uh, you know, Republican Women's Club. And they always say, oh, we have to get move it to another venue because we have so many people who want to come mm-hmm. or we'll do a rally and get a couple thousand. But to walk out on a stage with 50 or 60,000 people and they're Arizonans, so they know me and they are they're fully behind me. And, and the love that they shared was just I can't put it into words, guys. I still get goosebumps thinking about it. Uh, President Trump is so loved. America First Movement is so deep and strong. And anybody who thinks it's going away needs their head examined because it is here to stay and it's the way out of this mess. So I was just thrilled that President Trump came to hold that rally and he made me the keynote speaker and then invited me up on stage. And we have just uh, we were already soaring high with huge numbers great fundraising. And after that, we've soared even further and we're, we're just ecstatic. We, we've got a movement on our hands here in Arizona and, and we're scaring the other guys pretty bad. The establishment, the swampy ones are very nervous right now. You know, and they should you know, be. Yeah. And they should. I, I definitely think uh, regardless of what your any of your opponents want to say or what they're doing, whether it be through ad campaigns or polls or anything like that, they can't take the fact out that all they have, anyone has to do is go to your social media. You go to these local events. You, you're all over the state meeting people. It, it's never a few people. It's always hundreds and thousands, depending on, you know, how big the venue is. It's always packed. I, I think the most mm-hmm. important thing is, and it just looks like the overwhelming support for you to kind of bring, you know, Arizona back and uh, make it great again is definitely one of those things that uh, is on a lot of people's minds out there right now. Well, people do not want um, a, a lifelong politician, a, a, a has been politician. They don't want a lobbyist. They want somebody who will represent them. They want a citizen politician. And the people of Arizona recruited me to do this. Mm -hmm. When I walked away from my job, my very comfortable career in the news, because the news has become so corrupt. And look, I thought I worked for the good guys, but the corrupt corporate media is corrupt no matter who is out there. They're all corrupt. And when I walked away from that in protest and walked away from my paycheck and and showed the courage to do that, I think a lot of people... um, really came beside me and said, wow, we appreciate you were always a fair journalist. We were um, appreciate that you showed integrity and walked away, that you had the willingness to walk away from your livelihood at the top of your game and the success you had, because you will not compromise on your principles. 
And they asked me to run. I started getting dozens and dozens of people saying, please run for office, please run for office. And here we are, you know, not even a year later from me resigning from my uh, my job. And we are just soaring in the polls, the front runner with the president's endorsement. And we've got a movement and it's very exciting. We're going to do big things. We, I put my border policy out a couple of weeks ago. And just last Thursday, I put my um, quality of life, returning quality of life, addressing homelessness policy out for Arizona, because we're not going to allow Arizona to become the zombie apocalypse that you see on the streets of California. We're not going to let that happen here. Not when I'm governor, we're going to we're going to start tackling homelessness head on and we're going to get people who need help help. But the people who just want to use and live on the streets and commit crimes are not going to be able to stay and do that. Not in Arizona. I definitely like the the way that that sounds. And, uh, you know, talking about a couple of your. Uh, Can we do that here, too? Not yet. <laughs> it's have- I don't know. It's just so far gone. And, and, yeah. and Arizonans have been to Cal. We, you know, we used to come to California to get away from the heat. And now people don't even want to go there because it's become a homeless encampment. And it's become it really is like a zombie apocalypse yeah. hellscape. Yeah. And I know there are some people who need help, but the homeless industry that has uh, grown around the homeless crisis is not doing enough to actually end homelessness. And whenever you pour money into something, sometimes people don't necessarily want to end the problem right. because there's a lot of money coming in. Yeah, when you parlay crime into that now and, you know, look at about how uh, easy it is, you, you could be homeless, you could empty out whatever you want out of a Walgreens or a Rite Aid, you could take it back to your you know, a little encampment you have there. Let's just say you get picked up within a few hours. You're out before any of the things you stole even spoil. Yeah, so it, 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 it's right. really become a sad state of affairs regarding the homeless situation and crime. And it's gotten worse, too. I mean, I used to live I used to live uh, probably about two miles from the center of downtown San Diego. Okay. And I would go running and just my route to get to downtown just happened to be right through Skid Row. And I'd run Ooh. through there and you almost had to run in the middle of the street. That's how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Well, you were, you'd probably run pretty fast. You'd probably sprint like you're Usain Bolt when you're running through there. <laughs> Maybe even do a couple hurdles, right? There you go. <laughs> Gary, you mentioned your, your border policy and uh, we definitely want to touch on that. It's something that is affecting the country so much right now. We, we've come to the conclusion that every state is a border state. When you talk about the sex trafficking, the human trafficking, the drug problem, and the illegals getting dropped off everywhere. Uh, what are some of the things, the highlights and, and, and the big points of your uh, border policy that you recently issued? Well, one of the first people I, I sent it to before I even released, it was Brandon Judd with the uh, Border Patrol Council. He's the president of that. And yep. he read over it and said, oh, my gosh, this is the best I've ever seen. He endorsed it immediately. It is a thorough policy, and we are taking on the federal government. Under Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution, the Guarantee Clause, our federal government is required to protect us from invasion. They've dropped the ball, and they're not doing that. And there's a remedy in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, that allows us to protect ourselves if we're being invaded. And we we surely are being invaded with millions pouring across we're, pull, we're not even just talking about people from Mexico. We're talking about people from all over the world. I believe they've um, apprehended people from 140 different countries. Yeah. Some of them are known terrorists or tied to known terrorists. We have the narco um, terror cells controlling our border now. Mm-hmm. Our, we are not in control anymore. The narco terrorists are in control of our border. We have China trying to poison and destroy our country by shipping fentanyl into Mexico, trafficking it up through Arizona. They're trafficking children and it's a national security crisis. And 
a health crisis and just an absolute human um, human crisis that's ha- happening at our border. And we're not going to sit here and take it anymore. So when I'm governor, we're going to declare issue a, a, a declaration of invasion immediately. Day one, we are going to start constructing the wall. We're going to have the legislature immediately redefine what abandoned federal property is. And you guys probably know it. I'm sure you've seen the video of all of the materials that we paid for to build that wall sitting there rusting in the desert. We're going to take that back. We're going to redefine that as abandoned federal property. They've already, uh, you know, canceled all the contracts. So it's abandoned. And we're going to take that back and finish building the wall. We'll form an interstate compact with like-minded states, whether it be Texas or any other state. They don't have to be right on the border because we're all dealing with the border situation. The invasion at our border affects every state, Wyoming, South Dakota, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio. We're all being affected by it. So any other state that wants to join our interstate compact will share resources And as the commander in chief of the Arizona National Guard, I will order them to start arresting people coming across for trespassing. We will set up border courts to process these people, and we're going to send them back across the border. We're not going to absorb millions of people uh, into this country. We need to start caring a little bit more about the American citizens and the people of Arizona than people who aren't even supposed to be here. And we will destroy these tunnels as we find them. We can lean on our our friends in Israel who destroy Hamas tunnels all the time. And they can they can guide us in how to do that and how to detect them so that we're finding them. And and we'll start shooting down these drones that are coming across, either dropping off um, drugs or doing surveillance. We're going to shoot them down. It's outrageous that we're allowing these cartels to fly their drones all over our border with the intent of hurting this country, and we allow those things to fly, we're going to start shooting those damn things down, and we're going to take control of this border. And Joe Biden, I, I challenge him to come down here and try to stop us. That's something that I'd probably like to see uh, happen, but you don't have to worry about it unless it's like really re- something ridiculous like the, the Gavin Newsom recall. He doesn't really go that far out of the bubble that kind of encamps like uh, – you know, Delaware to uh, Washington, D.C., and maybe sometimes Pennsylvania. That's about it. So, well, oh, actually, he cares about the Ukrainian, the Ukraine border, but he doesn't give a darn about ours. Yeah, that, that's definitely become something that's uh, extremely evident over the last couple of weeks as that crisis uh, continues to heat up. Um, Terry, next thing I wanted to touch on. You know, we, we've seen so much development since the last time we've talked to you, just in general, uh, circling back to the 2020 presidential election. We've seen some big movements in uh, Georgia. You know, I'm sure everyone's seen it. Of course, you've seen it, the Dinesh D'Souza documentary preview with the ballot harvesters that's come out in the last couple of days. Uh, thousands of, they call them ballot mules, dropping off hundreds of thousands of ballots across the countries in all these different states, walking right up to the box, 50, 60, 70 ballots. They take a picture of it. They drop it in. Same person does it 70, 80 times over the course of the uh, period that the box is sitting there. You've also have, uh, you know, this, this, the speaker of the house uh, Voss up in Wisconsin sitting on what Wisconsin wants to do with their uh, 2020 election results, which is decertify. And then the developments that of course we've had in, in Arizona, I'm thinking down the road of a possible tag team matchup of uh, you and secretary of state, Mark Fincham as like a blueprint for what you would want as an America first top of the ticket combo for a place like Arizona and really getting to the bottom of this. What are some of the things that you guys are going to be doing as soon as you, uh, you know, cross the finish line in the midterms and uh, take the governorship there in, in Arizona? 
Well, they've got a bunch of great bills right now and uh, they're pushing them through and we'll see what happens. We're going to find out who's who. Yeah. We've got some Republicans down there who are real rhinos and maybe they've been kind of closeted rhinos. And we're going to find out when these bills go forward, who raises their hand and says, I'm voting for that. Yes. Uh, And who doesn't? So I think it's going to be a real eye opener. We need to get our elections shored up. And I hope that our Republicans down at the state legislature do the right thing. And if they don't, when I am governor, we're going to move all that stuff through. And I think by then there will be a big red wave and we will have a lot of America first, Arizona first patriots serving in the legislature. And we will have um, our very first Trump Republican America first governor in Arizona. And we're going to sign those. We are going to be the gold standard for elections here in Arizona. Unfortunately, we ha- we were behind the debacle of 2020. Right. Our uh, our elected officials and some of them appointed officials, um, establishment politicians allowed our election to be corrupt. And then they certified a corrupt election. So we were kind of at ground zero for a real national embarrassment. And when I'm governor, we're going to fix that. I want to be the gold standard for how an election should be run, that everybody, no matter who they voted for, no matter what political party they are with, when they go to bed, they know that the votes were counted, they were legal votes, and whoever is declared the winner is truly the winner. But we can't have it run the way it is now with voter rolls filled up with people who don't even live here anymore, people who are dead, people who moved decades ago. We need to clean that up. So I I think um, they're going to push through a lot of good stuff. It won't all pass. But it will it will shore up our elections a bit. And then we're going to show up en masse and vote um, both August 2nd for the primary and November 8th for the general election. And we're going to we may have to win by a mile to eke out a one inch win with the way the system is now. But we'll do it. Oh, that makes a whole lot of sense when you say that. I hope that's not the case, because uh, I, I know that you you are showing, you know, considerable lead in a lot of the polls. Do you want to touch on anything about your, uh, you know, the uh your uh, challenger in the um, election moving forward, you know, you want to kind of lay out the issues and and draw a comparison about how just different you guys are uh, when it comes to being the governor of Arizona. Well, I consider my challenger to be Katie Hobbs or whoever the uh, left puts in. Um, But I think you're talking about one of the, the, the rhinos running against me. Yep. And I'll just say something smells fishy with that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to give him any name cred. (laughs) Um, he's desperate. The rumor was going around that he's flailing like a fish out of water and um, not doing well. There were people saying, oh, he's going to pull out because he's just not getting any traction. His, his fundraising was disappointing. And so in a panic, he gets his buddies over at this uh, outrageous polling firm here in town, which is a McCain polling firm. <laughs> One of the partners is a McCain guy. The other partner actually works on Matt, my opponents uh, on, on his campaign. So he's, he's getting a pollster who works on his campaign to run a very shoddy poll that they polled people who don't even vote. Usually you poll people who voted in the last few elections. Like yeah. when I do a poll, I say I only want to poll four, uh, four of four voters, people who voted in the last four elections. That way, you know, you're getting people who vote. They pulled people who don't even vote, have, haven't voted in the last four elections. They had to try to twist and turn to make his numbers look like they were climbing. It is one of the most outrageous polls I've ever seen. The media is so stupid yeah. or complicit that they ran his poll, which he leaked out to the media. 
you know, and, and the funny thing is he runs this bogus poll and they can't even make him win in the poll. He's still losing in the polls and he's excited about it. But the media, of course, doesn't do their due diligence. They don't do any um, work in looking at how that poll was conducted. And they run it as if it's fact when it's actually science fiction. So it's sad. It's sad what he's done. He is a liar. Mm-hmm. He is a loser and he is a cheater. And those are facts. He lies on a daily basis when he's out on the campaign trail. He says that I'm I've got people who are McCain on my team. I have exactly zero people who are McCain types on my team. To the contrary, his entire consulting firm is a McCain consulting firm. His top people are McCain people. So he's a liar. He's a loser in the fact that he's already lost running for governor 20 years ago when we were a more red state. He lost to a lobbyist lawyer named Janet Napolitano, and he wants a second shot. Matt is the reason I'm in this race. I realized that that was the guy running. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if if we let him have another shot at this, he'll lose again. Mm -hmm. And the whole state's going to be loading up U-Hauls trying to find another red state. He's a tired, washed up politician who's got about 15, 20 years of lobbying baggage where he was pushing, um, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff over at woke ASU. And he is not the guy that Arizona needs right now. So I'm sad for him because he's in a a state right now where he um, is desperate and he's obviously acting desperate by putting out that ridiculous poll. Um, But he's got issues and I think everyone's aware of his issues. And I don't think they want all of his issues coming out in commercials in the general when the uh, Soros money gets poured in. Yeah, that, that, that's one of those things where you just have to like look at it. At the end of the day, his track record's not very favorable. It doesn't seem like he supports a lot of the things that represent the people of Arizona, especially after the 2020 presidential election. And then moving forward, it's just like, okay, you just have to look at the evidence, jump on Carrie's social medias, try to find her on the news, look at all the people that are going out and supporting her, look at who is supporting her, and just know who really represents the people out there uh, and is going to do it the right way. Well, he's lobbied for um, he, he lobbied during his time at ASU for people, illegal immigrants to get uh, a cut to their to, to pay less for tuition yep. than American students. You know, he's lobbied to expand um, gun free zones so that our Second Amendment rights are taken away. Mm. When he was working as a lobbyist in D.C., he lobbied for Obamacare. So it's he's got a really shady history. Yeah. Uh, and, and frankly, he's a cheater and, and we can explore that if you want. He cheated on this country. He sold out this country to the CCP when he was cozy with the Confucius Center at ASU. And that Confucius Center allowed Chinese spies to infiltrate our university here, steal our research. And he's never apologized to the people of Arizona for that. I can't imagine trusting somebody like that in the governor's office. He would sell us out so fast our heads would spin. Yeah. Yeah, At least say you're sorry. (laughs) You know, say you're sorry and back out of the race. Anybody who's shown allegiance to the communist Chinese regime is uh, that is disqualifying. Honestly. Yeah. Even if just by proxy, it still shows tremendously bad judgment, which you don't want to have as the governor of your state. Right. So, Carrie, last thing I want to ask you on just a little bit of an opinion. We, we've seen over the last couple of weeks a few of the uh, 
of the vaccine mandates thing pulled back the Biden administration kind of repealed the for businesses over plus hundred. You have places all over the country that are, you know, either adhering to this or, or, or not. It's definitely something I think that the Supreme Court is going to have to weigh on at the end of the day in regards to uh, all of our federal friends, which include the military and then the men and women who serve along the, the borders of this country. What, what are your feelings on uh, where this is going to go? Do you see it eventually getting shut down? And if so, do you think these people are going to be able to get their jobs back? I think it will get shot down. Absolutely. This is the most outrageous um, invasion of privacy I've ever seen in my life. I mean, what happened to medical privacy? What happened to religious freedom? Do you know how many people I talked to that said, oh, my goodness, I had to get a religious exemption. I had to go through hoops trying to prove to my boss what my religious beliefs were. Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy. That's insane. So we need to get our medical freedom back. I think all of this in, in due time will be overturned. And I think there's going to be a lot of lawsuits out there for people who were wrongfully terminated. Agreed. And it might bankrupt some companies. So I, I encourage anybody who is a, a manager or a owner of a company who's pushing these draconian, outrageous, frankly, tyrannical mandates still to uh, stop doing that and hire everybody back that you let go because of these, because you will eventually, I believe, be facing them in court. And so it's best business practice would be to stop the nonsense, hire the people back, pay them back pay, and try to make it right now before we start seeing a lot of people going to court. I think we're going to, we're going to see a real big demand for attorneys coming up here in, in the coming next few years. Yeah, I think you're uh, definitely onto something with that, and we kind of feel the same way. As as bad as it looks right now, we just continue to tell all our listeners who are out there serving in the military or, you know, working in, in federal agencies to just keep holding that line, do the best you can, believe in yourself, and and hopefully at the end of the day, you're either going to get your job back or these mandates will get, you know, struck down at a federal level and then repealed like the for the businesses of a hundred plus like they did a few weeks ago. Well, the businesses yeah. are there's a lot of them that are they're dragging their feet on giving a disposition on whether or not you've been approved or not because right. they're afraid they're probably going to get sued when this gets deemed unconstitutional that's why they keep kicking it down the road because yep. yeah especially i just go ahead i just got offered to do an interview at a, a local tv station and they wanted me to come down to the studio but i have to prove my vaccine status and i said you know you know take a hike <laughs> i'm not gonna do that <laughs> next you're the one you're the one who wants to interview me and now you i gotta show my my med I got to give you private medical information. I don't think so. So we need to fight back. I know people are doing it. It's been incredibly hard and stressful for a lot of working men and women. You mentioned military, our first responders. Um, they've been through hell and back with yep. this, but the people who have held strong, I, I will have respect for everybody who's been pushed on this because even if you had to, you know, do something you didn't want to do because you were forced to, I, I, I respect you as well because people have been pushed in ways they just couldn't always do what they wanted to do for whatever reason. But the fact that we've been put in this position as Arizonans and as Americans, we are becoming stronger by the day. And I, I believe God put us here at this critical moment in human history and in American history because he knows we are the people to fight back and save this country. 100%. And uh, definitely great and a relief to hear. Carrie, I think the only hike that you're going to be taking anytime soon would be right back out on the con 
campaign trails. You're one of the hardest working candidates out there across the country. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, come back and join us today. Again, we hope to circle back with you before the uh, elections in the fall. But if not, why don't you let all of our listenerships kind of uh, find out where they could find you across social medias and your campaign website? Thank you so much. I'm on Getter now at Carrie Lake. I'm on Twitter, Carrie Lake. I'm on Facebook at The Carrie Lake. Um, Instagram, Carrie Lake. And you can find me at CarrieLake.com. It's K-A-R-I-L-A-K-E.com. I encourage you to go to the media page. You can see how I am uh, I'm a kind of become a master at taking on the corrupt news. <laughs> and I also encourage you to go to the donation page because I'm yes. being funded by uh, the people, primarily the people of Arizona, but we have people from all over the country. Yep. Some of them write me and say, look, I'm in a blue state. There's no hope. We're a gone state. I want to save Arizona. And we are truly funded by the people. President Trump is so excited about our campaign. We're having another fundraiser. I'll break the news here oh, nice. uh, nice. at Mar-a-Lago. And I have a funny story to tell about it real quick. Um, I suggested the day four, five, April 5th, right? Because I thought, well, how great. We go to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> president Trump, 45, yes. will be there. So I suggested four or five. And the president came back and said, no, let's do it on four, seven, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, I did see him make a little joke about that last week oh, on the golf course yeah. as well. So, <laughs> so we're having an event at Mar-a-Lago on April 7th. And I encourage you to keep a, an eye on our on our page. We will be sharing information with how you can attend that as well. Everybody should go to Mar-a-Lago at least once in their life. It's absolutely one of the most gorgeous places I've ever visited. I was talking with one of our schedule friends come? Yeah, today and she was like, oh, sorry, I didn't get back to you yesterday. I stayed, stayed at Mar-a-Lago and I was like, oh, it must be nice. Yeah. We're all the way out here in California, but we will eventually get there. And uh, what's even more important is that this is the next governor of Arizona, Miss Carrie Lake. Thank you for joining us on Steak for Breakfast today. Thanks, guys. I look forward to seeing you again. All right. So we had a big interview with Carrie Lake right there. And uh, it was great to hear a lot more of her platform and for her to talk about her, uh, one of the challengers that she's up against. And just I like her. She's awesome. She's extremely likable. And listen, her take Incredible. on election reform, the borders, taking care of the homeless and veterans, and just overall, you know, getting the economy back to normal in Arizona, which is such a great state. Uh, it's one of those things where if you look at some of the polls, they may seem like they're a little closer than than you would expect right now, but if you look at the majority of the ones that kind of shoot down the middle, it's anywhere between 25 and 30 points, and that's where we kind of expect it to be all the way through the campaign season and up into the midterm elections. So it's one of those things where we'll be glad to have her back, and it was uh, nice to meet her pug. Yeah. So uh, something else that was huge over the weekend was the Trump rally, both in context and attendance, um, setting records for the area of Conroe, Texas. The crowd exceeded 80,000 people. Isn't it like 85? I think they were saying too. I, I couldn't believe it. Well, I obviously I could, but I was like, damn, this is amazing. It's just getting bigger and better, you know? Yeah. And it's one of those things where, uh, you know, we, we, we saw Trump, I don't want to say was off of his game, but didn't bring his A game to the Arizona rally. He didn't wear a tie. He looked a little tired. Might have been under the weather. You never know. He could have had some Ligmacron going on. Ooh, Ligmacron. All right. And and it was one of those things where, uh, you know, you just have to take into context. We're right at the start of the 2022 rally season, and and he's going to be doing so many of these things going into the midterm elections that uh, you probably need to shake off a little bit of rust. Had a lot of golf going on over the holiday season, and – those lavish events he has down at Mar-a-Lago. 
I think that I think that it, one of the things is, I mean, it's just my my idea. Like it, it was his first for the year, you know, on with the rallies and whatnot. I mean, you can't just come out like full gas. I think he had enough fire to start and set the tone. And now he's like going to build up. And I kind of feel that. I don't know if it makes sense to other people that are listening, but I feel like it's going to get more spicy as we get go on. I hope so. But I, I felt like this last one was just really amazing. Yeah, he did bring his A-game to this one. And as yeah. always, we're going to start off with some pregame festivities. He did endorse several of the people that were there uh, for, for the event, but had a couple of them speak. One of the ones that uh, I thought stuck out more than most was probably one of the best attorney generals in, in the country, and that's uh, Greg Paxson down there in Texas. Uh, he has filed some national lawsuits and pushed back on the Biden administration since day one in an attempt to kind of uphold and uh, champion on Trump-era policies. And let's hear the attorney general weigh in at the beginning of the uh, rally on Saturday night. A year ago today, when none of us knew what a vaccine mandate was. And yet today, we all know what a vaccine mandate is. And we have a federal government, we have Joe Biden, telling you that you have to choose between your health and getting a vaccination, and that is insane. And I want you to know, we have, when, when President Obama was in office, we sued him 27 times in 27 months. We won almost 80% of those. And here we are with Joe Biden, in 27 months, we already have 27 lawsuits and we're winning over 90% of those lawsuits. Got him. Yep. Yeah, it's good to hear uh, Ken Paxton kind of weigh in on the pushback. And, and we all know that, uh, you know, he had a lot to do with the uh, repealing of the 100 plus for businesses. Like what, when, when are they just going to let, let it go away? Like, is it just, I'm going to kick and scream until the very last moment? Just let it go away. Just be like, you know what? We're going to move on to bigger and better things. It would be pretty, it'd be pretty weird to uh, circle back to something like saying tyrants aren't just going to like give their power away. It needs to be taken away. I know, but at some point later in the show, but we'll we can only time machine through that one. Uh, the, the only other clip I have for pregame was Junior, who got up there and talked. Always well received anywhere he goes, and, and a pretty good speaker when it comes to being based. Uh, he was talking about how internationally we're looking quite awful right now and uh and yeah. ambassador biden isn't really holding the line into uh grandpa's strength that he promised to bring to the oval office ambassador you can't make it up right he was gonna come in he was gonna take care of the rona how's that working out folks oh he was gonna be an elder statesman so rather than creating peace in the Middle East like Donald Trump, we're on the war verge of World War III with Russia. How's that working out? Elder statesman, my ass. The only part of that that's accurate is elder, and I mean really, really elder. Okay? I mean, you can't make it up, and I think about it, right? I'm watching the news. The Russians are going to invade Ukraine. I go, that's funny. You know, the Russians took Crimea, part of Ukraine, under Obama. And then there was this strange, this strange four-year pause, right? There was a strange four-year pause where Russia wasn't an aggressor. You know, you really, maybe it's because it was his first rally, the 2022 season. 
Junior needs to realize you don't have to scream into the microphone. His voice cracked like three times. And then he continued to monologue about our international footing in the world. And he kept turning around and looking right and left and not utilizing the microphone. No, have you seen that anywhere I've before? I've seen that right here. You have? <clears throat> yeah. With me? Yep. Sorry. And then. Kimberly does the same thing, though. She people, certainly people does. People screaming into and the microphone. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Right, Somewhere blah, else. Blah, blah. <laughs> but he does. You know what's crazy? He. I like there's a tone in his voice. He sounds a lot like his dad, obviously. Yeah, every once in a while, some of his uh, inflection, yeah, yeah. voice mannerisms. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was uh, so not a bad pregame. Like I said, there were some shout outs to people like Mike Lindell. And then again, we talked about it earlier in the show before Carrie Lake, sometimes getting it wrong. I don't know why the words full and complete endorsement and, and the people like Greg Abbott go together. They don't for me. Uh, no, I know is not a huge fan. Mm-mm. I mean, Greg Abbott's done, I would say, probably like a six out of 10 job as the governor in regards to upholding Trump era policies and, and being super America first. But it's after like things get so bad that you're waiting to see if Greg Abbott's going to react or is Donald Trump going to put out a like a statement that makes him react. And we've seen it over and mm-hmm. over and over again. Right. Yeah, he either yeah. comes out super late, like, you know, a border agent or a, a DPS worker will get hurt or killed or they'll have like some big drug bust. Or you'll have Donald Trump be like, man, the southern border is looking pretty shitty in Texas right now. I wish somebody down there, like a governor or something, would do something about it. And then the next day you see, you know, Greg Abbott wheeling himself down there kind of talking about all the. Oh, sorry, I just woke up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, exactly. It's so true. It's hilarious. But it's it's not at the same time. It's like okay, why does anybody have to give you that nudge? Do your fucking job. Yeah. So we've we've pulled a bunch of uh, the best clips, and uh, he was getting that crowd pretty fire up right from the get go. Let's jump right into the Trump rally here. Where would you rather be on a Saturday night than a Trump rally in Texas? He's not wrong. See, now Biden would say, where the hell He said, he'd say, where would you rather be on a Thursday night in the state of Oklahoma? No, this is Texas. He'd say, this is Texas. Well, we love you, too. We love you, too. And we all got screwed together. But you know what? We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. Assuredly, <laughs> and then he kind of got into it, you know, talking about the size of that crowd. I had already mentioned at the top of the show that it, it was over eighty thousand confirmed. Antoinette heard numbers north of maybe eighty-five thousand, and uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, depending on where he goes, I mean, all the all the news agencies in the, in the legacy context were were out there, uh, you know, talking about oh, there's like a couple dozen people camping out two days before, and and here's the one Trump supporter that's here at eight o'clock in the morning. Well. It was one of those things where, uh, you know, they were able to get uh, a lot of people out there and and over 80,000 people attended this rally. And it was just awesome to see when some of the uh, news outlets like um, Right Side Broadcasting panned that camera around and just showed football fields deep as far as the eye can. You couldn't see the end of it. And uh, got some cameramen uh, like at the, uh, the trucker rally where they're trying to film like you know, the tailgate of a truck in an empty parking lot trying to downplay it, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, Donald yeah. Trump will always give homage to those big crowds, and let's hear, let's hear him as this rally's getting underway. This is a big crowd. You set an all-time record. This is a big crowd. I wish the press just one time would turn those cameras around. They go back 
football fields back. Thank you. I wish that to look at all the media. Look at all the fake news we have. Fake news. Ah, they ought to turn those cameras back just one time. You know, they don't do that. They don't want to show the kind of crowds we get. Because our country is angry and our country wants to be respected again. Hello, Texas. It's great to be back. In this wonderful, beautiful doesn't sound like a small state crowd. with no. thousands of proud American patriots who believe in family and freedom, God and country, and by the way, oil and guns. <laughs> Unlike the Democrats. Some guy in the background. Nine I months love you, from man. now, the people of this state are going to send a thundering message to the radical left Democrats in Washington, D.C. You're going to tell them don't mess with Texas because Texas is never, ever turning blue. You can tell just by the context of his voice and, uh, you know, how he was on his A-game in regards to talking shit right off the bat that it was going to be a whole lot better rally yeah. than the one we saw in October. I love when he Arizona. shits on the media, like right when they're, like, and then everybody's like, like everybody's standing around the media up. just looking at him and they're just like, fuck my life. Fuck. I know, right? <laughs> it's like, I'll turn around and point the camera that way, but I took my finger off record. <laughs> I know. Well, he did kind of get into one of the hottest topics going into the weekend, and that was Steak the- Steak for uh, breakfast? Well, that's after today's show comes out, but- right. You know, he he talked about some of the uh, the Canadian truckers. He, oh, he, yeah. he wanted to touch on that and uh, his, his support for them. Let's kind of hear him weigh in on uh, what's going on with our uh, neighbors to the north. There are far more of us than there are of them. That's true. The Canadian truckers, you've been reading about it. Who are resisting... Bravely, these lawless mandates are doing more to defend American freedom than our own leaders by far. And we want those great Canadian truckers to know that we are with them all the way. They are. They've really shown something. It's time to move on. Definitely time to move on, especially from the vaccine mandates. Um, You know, there's a lot of blue collar workers in uh, the great state of Texas. And, you know, when they see what's going on there, it's probably going to. I would say eventually lead to something similar happening here. Truckapalooza in DC, maybe. I I think the people are primed and ready. Yeah, I mean, I I I heard yesterday. Well, I read it on Telegram, in a bunch of places that it's going to be huge. Like, I know Ottawa was big, but this is going to be maybe just as big, or be even bigger. So they were doing. Uh, what, there was a GoFundMe for the for the truckers. Mm-hmm. There was, was, was that there was a just lot of to like ones. there was a lot of bullshit ones too that were like you know like people that try to grift off yeah. of like the good shit that's well happening. and then I heard that the GoFundMe was like shutting down the yeah like that so the one that got shut down was probably the legit one yeah instead of you know and they usually do that and the GoFundMe point, was to pay for fuel so they could continue to drive around or what yeah so then I get I think I mean don't quote me for sure but I think that they still got funds elsewhere to be able to sit out and do what you know to protest yeah for people a have eaten long time <laughs> the nice thing about being in a truck is you have a lot of room to comfy yeah. cozy yeah 
I mean, not everybody's got like a sleeper cab, but. Right. So. Well, I think when you talk about the Canadian truckers, what goes hand in hand is the vaccine mandates here. He would segue directly to that and and jump into that thing. Now he is being, you know, self-promoted as the anti-mandate candidate, which we definitely like and and, and hope to see moving forward. Let's hear him kind of uh, take that a step further in references to what's going on here in the U.S. It's time for the American people to declare independence from every last COVID mandate. We have to tell this band of hypocrites, tyrants and racists that we're done with having them control our lives, mess with our children and close our businesses. We're moving on from COVID. Whether they like it or not, we're moving on. We did a great job. Operation Warp Speed has been praised by everybody, but it's now time to move on. Remember, there are far more of us than there are of them. Which was something that he hit on several times throughout the course of that speech. And uh, listen, if Operation Warp Speed is going to be brought up in, in any way, shape, or form at Trump rallies and in promotional stuff moving forward, cool, stay on it for like two seconds, don't get into the specifics, and then segue right to... I am the anti-mandate candidate, which is if he wants to roll on and what he really believes in, I 100% support that. And I think a lot of our listenership does as well. Yeah. And I think that, like we've said many times before, I think Operation Warp Speed entailed a lot more than people realized in many ways. Yeah. And it'll come out later on, you know. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy that he touches on it now just so quickly and is getting straight to what the people want to hear. And I know he knows that and his, you know, he's fully aware because I believe, obviously, behind the scenes, he's always been with, like, the general consensus. But we don't know what he's dealing with and the moves he has to make. And, um, yeah, it was really good to hear him say that. I, I think that really got people fired up. And, and it, uh, you know, it relaxed a lot of people who are really upset with the whole Operation Warp Seed and him talking about the vaccines being so amazing. And so it was a good thing. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think his rationale for that was the fact that the the amount of mileage that the vaccines were getting on the other side, it was more so that they're praising it, that the vaccine's working and everybody should get it, and we're putting all this energy into it, and it's more of a fuck you for him to take credit for it to mm-hmm. the people who hate him. Yeah, and that's oh, why yeah. They, that's why they turned it into what it is. Yeah. So now yeah. now if he tries to t- like attach himself directly to the vaccines. They'll be like, oh, see, Donald Trump wants you everyone to get mandated vaccines. He yeah. made them. Yeah. And if he and if he like if he says anything else, like, you know, now because a lot of the data is coming out that shows it's bad, he obviously did not make the vaccines himself. No, no, they're no. they're safe and effective. Didn't you? Hear? Exactly. So the thing is, is like, okay, he knows now is a time <laughs> yeah. where he can push it away. Cause if he were to like <laughs> I mean five dollars. I'm not in the show this week. I, I gave some good. I gave hot takes on Sunday morning shows, and Roan didn't write me into the show. Uh, but I'm still here. Get it's your booster. Five pages of show notes. Six pages, oh, cool. even seven pages of show notes. Rand Paul said it says fire me on his website. Fire Dr. Fauci for five dollars. Five dollars. Oh, scissor me timbers. Perfect. Yeah. We don't even have to listen to the real one. <laughs> No, but they they would start blaming him now because they're starting to admit in the mainstream media 
they're not something's wrong here yeah you something's know? wrong a lot of side effects ivermectin yeah, exactly. works in the so, japan study we're seeing oh it's fucking amazing yeah it's glorious and, and you know yeah but obviously he knows exactly what he's doing and it makes sense when you look at the bigger picture and go to like you know the 40 foot you know thousand foot view and yep. see you're like, okay shit all right yeah i get it now he knows it's the just more so it's just fun so. it's just fun to watch i yeah. mean it's not it, it sucks Super sad. Have, People have lost their jobs and have died. No, but I mean, like, it, it sucks for somebody who took the mainstream media and took all this bullshit to My heart doctor cares about me. And believes yep. every word of it. No. And literally would would allow it to tear their families apart, tear friendships apart, mm-hmm. make them think less of people that have been in their lives for years. Well, and yeah, parents, it's... Parents it's, to children, children to parents. Yeah. And like, it's it's been insane for sure. But watching these people see the shell crack and oh, yeah. the insides start to leak out of how bullshit it was, it's 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 poetic to some extent, but it's uh-huh. also a little sad just that they're well, you know really people are having up. to have their their entire mental you know stability questioned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're reevaluating their entire existence yeah. and what they believed and everything. They're, I mean, imagine it all hitting you at one time and not just like, hey, taking the time to listen to, oh, the crazy conspiracy theorist person in your family who's now, I mean, has been right the entire time for the last two years. And you're like, shit, do I start to listen now or do I stay in denial because I don't want to come to that realization and fully, un- you know, accept the fact that I've been had so badly. Some people, I don't know, some people are not going to be able to, it's going to be one way or the other, you know, or some people are just going to not know what to do. Yeah. It's been fun having some of those conversations, you know, yeah, where you're like, definitely. I told you like months ago that and you talked I, shit about me. You yeah. fucking shamed me. Or you don't you, talk to me anymore. You were you were wearing a neck gaiter, and like even back then, they were saying that neck gaiters were the worst thing you can wear. But you right. were doing it, and now everything that I said about these masks not doing anything, unless it's an N95, which and fitted correctly, fitted correctly, yeah. Well, I've, you actually just, communicated me. I couldn't come to your wedding, my brother. You <laughs> know, sort of situation. Yeah. Or you didn't let me come to a family member's funeral, etc. Exactly. So. so yeah. That, the rally at that point took kind of a step for the spicier. You can't I mean, come to my family member's funeral because they're at risk. Could have been worse if they were vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. Weren't vaccinated. If they weren't vaccinated, they would have died a whole lot worse. Yeah, they'd be man, more, more dead. Write books on this stuff, man. <laughs> but with the Russia and the Ukraine heating up or not, we don't know what's going on anymore. You have Russia laughing on you know international television at Joe Biden. You have Joe Biden saying invasion is imminent. And then you have the president of Ukraine saying like, stop saying invasion is imminent. You're ruining our fucking economy worse than it already is. Yeah. Donald Trump <laughs> kind of touched in on, uh, yeah. Cause they're saying like, it's not as serious as your media is making it out yep. to be. This shit's been going on forever. It's a very long, like long happening situation. They're just, uh, jumping on this shit to distract man. Yeah. From all the other stuff that's going on badly okay. here. Here's a uh, Trump's take on, uh, being the president that ended ridiculous foreign wars. Nice. Yeah. On my watch, America was respected again, maybe respected like never before. (laughs) Might be the most respected we've ever been. And I was proud to be the first president in decades who did not get the United States into any new wars. I took us out of endless and ridiculous wars. 
100% correct there and brought a lot of peace to the world. I mean, we, we can talk about it everywhere from like, you know, at the time, North and South Korea to Israel and its uh, Arab now allies and, and trade partners and, and, you know, things like that. But if everyone who thought was going to end the world with World War Three did the exact opposite of it over the course of his, you know, four year presidency, and that was with peace through strength. Oh, people hated to see it, too. Like when he went to North Korea and like made yeah, Kim Jong him. walk to him at the little ledge. It's like that's where he said we're all looking so handsome and thin. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like an episode of The Office because yeah, Kim Jong just like looks at the camera. It did look like The Office. It's amazing. You know, one of my favorite moments was like uh, um, Prince uh, Salman, you know, when Trump walks behind him while he's sitting down and he and like squeezes his shoulder. On his, yeah, squeezing on his shoulder. And then he gets all like giddy and excited because you could see that it like they respect Trump big time. Yeah. And imagine what they what goes on behind the scenes, what they've talked about, because in my opinion, I think that they've that they've been working together in a lot of ways. Same with Putin. Like you just saw that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't understand that whole Prince Salman clip that's on so many hype videos for Donald Trump. Okay, so just a formality. You yeah. don't walk up unannounced and touch a Saudi prince, period. Yeah. Exactly. And, and Donald Trump gave him, like, the political good game attaboy pat on the ass with the shoulder squeeze. He gave. Yeah. That's, that's literally what it was. And you saw the prince's reaction, which was like a smile, and then like, yeah, he grabbed me. I yeah. Could probably, I could have him, if this happened in Saudi Arabia, I could have him beheaded, but he still grabbed me. Yeah. And, uh... Loved it. I, you know, I'll just mention one more thing, and I know it's maybe it's kind of on the topic, but people should really go back because things get memory hold. They should see how Trump went all around the world, I think in around 2017, and met all these world leaders and how they welcomed him into their countries. I mean, I mean, they didn't laugh at him like they are with Joe Biden right now. Well, they welcomed him so much. Or Obama, for example, where they, I I forgot where it was. It was China, maybe. He had to get out at the back of the plane. They did not, you know, receive him well. No. But no. And then what? With China, for example, he went to dine at the Forbidden City. Mm -hmm. But with Saudi particularly, he got, they gave him a sword dance. And if you look at the like the history of like what what that really means. No one gets the sword dance. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, and he held the sword. Yep. He held the sword. Nobody ever holds the sword. It's huge. Well, just and remember, he did so good on that year and a half, that 18 months of world tour. I don't know if you guys recall, we covered it on the show. Antoine, I don't even know if you were with us yet, but it was yeah. one of those things. He, they were making up stories. Remember when he, the weather was so bad, he couldn't make it to Normandy because they were going to have to go by helicopter. And then oh, they yeah. said, like, Donald Trump called all the people who died there stupid son of a bitches because yeah. they were stupid <laughs> to just volunteer. Listen, his entire life of supporting the military and law enforcement is well documented. And you know, those words never came out of his mouth. They had to make up stories. And it wasn't like a recorded thing. It was just like some anonymous source, anonymous source. Like usual, right? Yeah. Well, you know, what's something that he probably has been talking about behind closed doors, but is no longer a secret. We get some anonymous sources on here. How he felt about the January (laughs) 6th people right now. And I just want to, before I play the clip, I, I want everybody that, probably is seen it getting taken out of context uh, throughout social and the legacy medias. So Donald Trump said he would pardon some of the January 6th people who are accused right now because they haven't been charged or tried with anything. Tried with jaywalking. A lot of melting down happened. Uh, Presidential pardons come after you receive your final legal disposition. It's not like Donald Trump is going to become president and say, I automatically pardon them all, release them all from prison. No, if anybody happens to be found guilty of anything that is meaningful whatsoever, then he could be like, yeah, you're pardoned. 
That yeah. was bullshit. Like, you are the guy who took a shit on Mitch McConnell's desk. I liked it. You just can't do stuff like <laughs> no, that. No, you can't do that. So, but besides that, you know, people like. But good job. The boneless chicken wing, the witch, uh, people like that. Probably really didn't do too much. Stayed in the velvet ropes, pick up the trash at the end. Again, if there was anything bad, once the documented evidence of it comes out, everyone's going to take a look at it and say, like, okay, there's people, like, literally, they five guys backed a cop up in the corner, they beat him unmercifully, and they left him for dead. We all know that that didn't happen, but let's just say it does. Probably not good. Now, if what started that was cops throwing concussion grenades at that guy's Family and their family and their kids, and that's a different story. We're gonna have to look at it from both angles. But let's just take uh, try to digest real quick Trump's take on January 6th. And another thing we'll do, and so many people have been asking me about it if I run and if I win, we will treat those people from January 6th fairly. We will treat them fairly. And if it requires pardons, we will give them pardons because they are being treated so unfairly. Yeah, he's not wrong. And he got one of the biggest reactions from the crowd off of those statements, too, at throughout the whole, you know, two-hour rally that he uh, conducted there. Yeah, because people have really been, like, wanting him to speak out for, for these political prisoners. You know, it's it's a travesty in our country. This is America. Yeah, they are political prisoners. They've done Literally. nothing like that warrants being... It's a third-world country situation for these yeah. people. You know, I'm surprised we're not caning them. All of our politicians on both sides of the aisle, minus like MTG, Gosar, Andy Biggs, uh, Matt Gates, a handful of them that have gone over to the D.C. jail and have tried to see things. I've talked to these people, everyone else, even like the like Rand Paul, you haven't done shit on this. Mm. You know, Ted Cruz, we all know that you want to run for president eventually if you're going to run against Trump. You're staying far away from this as you can. And you haven't done shit on it. And, And neither is anybody else. So, you know, Senator Kennedy, you haven't done shit on this. Ron Johnson, who's been so awesome on COVID, you haven't done shit on this either. And I don't know if you think it's political suicide. Maybe you're up for re-election, you know, in this midterm cycle. But the fact of the matter is there's people being held as political prisoners for charges ranging from, like, trespassing and littering to, you know, what, misdemeanor misconduct and stuff like that. There's no reason that they need to be held in jail for for over a year and, and in some of the worst conditions imaginable because of that. Because Nancy Pelosi wants to make a fucking example out of them. Is it fair? Is it fair to say though? Because <clears throat> I try to understand why some of these, like for, for example, somebody like Ron Johnson is focusing on a lot of other things that you know, tackling on big shit, right? You know, with COVID and holding these, you know, um, these uh, what, what what would you call it? Meeting or what was it? Oh, he's having like the committees. The committees, yeah, exactly. I forgot the word, <laughs> but um, I feel like a lot of these people are tasked to do like a certain and focus on a certain thing. Mm-hmm. But they could still, if they do have the time, sure, uh, give more time and like attention to the J six people. And I think if a lot of them, even if they have a little bit of time, if they all rally together to give even their little bit of time, when the others can do way more of their time, it could help so much more. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And I, I mean, maybe that time is a little bit down the road as we pick up steam into the midterm elections. But in the meantime, yeah. you have young men and women in jail for ridiculous amounts of time for ridiculous charges and something that was taken way out of context when it happened and being used as an example of 23 hours a day in solitary confinements, beatings, gassings, you name it, bad stuff's happening to them. And uh, we'd like to see it. Listen. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Is it because DC is its own like territory? Like like how is this able Legal? to continue? I don't know. It's so bizarre to me. Well, we're gonna have Darren Beatty on here in a couple of weeks, and we're gonna definitely talk to him about it. 
Oh, awesome. Awesome. So uh, he talked about another thing that's happening, kind of ties onto the border. Uh, people that are crossing the southern border are being put on planes and thrown, uh, flown to cities all over the country. And in some, like New York, right now they can get off that plane within 30 days, have work authorization, and the right to vote. In, oh, non- in non-federal elections. Uh, Donald Trump touched on that a little bit and about the only people who should be voting in any kind of elections, period. We should pass legislation cracking down hard on any city or state that attempts to allow illegal aliens to vote. Only American citizens should vote in American elections. Facts. And if it were solely up to me, I'd have one-day elections using only paper ballots except for military and seriously ill or disabled people. Sounds pretty simple enough. What do you guys think? It's it makes too much sense. It's it's the logical thing to do, you know, but we live in the era of everything upside down. What's you know, good is bad, bad is good. Um yeah, I mean, that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. And, and he was directly tying that into where he would go next with his reference to the things going on down on the southern border. And let's hear him kind of weigh in on that, which was a pretty hot take for him, I have to say. But there are sinister faces of corruption, lawless political establishments like this should not be allowed to continue. They send young Americans to fight and die for the borders of distant foreign nations while they throw our borders open to a legal foreign invasion. We fight for other borders, but we don't fight for our own. Mm. They torture your children with masks in school while they host parties packed with unmasked donors in New York, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. They restrict your freedom and lock you in your home while they abolish cash bail and release thousands of dangerous, really dangerous, murderers, dangerous criminal murderers. They release them from jail. They drive up the price of your energy for your family while they are shuttled around in limos and airplanes on American taxpayer dollars. They censor, cancel, and persecute ordinary citizens for speaking the truth while they drown your endless torment of, I mean, what they do. They have an endless list of propaganda and propaganda methods that nobody would believe, including hoaxes and demented lies. We had all of the hoaxes. The American people are sick of this entire rotten and wretched political class. Think about it. Other countries, they have a country. We have a country. All they do is try and destroy you. Thank you very much. No, it's true. It's a perfect... That was much better than I was going to come up. Thank you. Whoever the hell you are, put your hand up. Somebody get this man a mega hat. Yeah. Thank you for the... So, and as you can tell right there, it's, it's kind of winding down as he was uh, montaging a lot of the things he touched on throughout the rally. And, uh, you know, it, it was definitely well received from the crowd. Uh, we'll play a little bit of the outro here. And, uh, you know, what does this all entail? Why is he hosting over 80,000 people in some cornfields in Texas? Because it's there. In the middle of January. So if, if you rally it, he will come? Yeah. Okay, I That's like it. It's two different movies, but okay. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, we, we need to get everybody on the same page. 
We've already yeah. talked about it at the top of the show. There are times where Donald Trump is not on the same page as the Save America and America First movement, even though he is the centerpiece of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's getting bigger and it's spreading further throughout the country. You're getting all kinds of different people involved in local elections, local municipalities, mayorships, uh, signing up to work the polls, either in the, um, the primaries leading up into the midterms and then beyond. But the fact of the matter is, you know, as the redistricting is getting done, there is one goal and one goal at the end of the year, and that is to get these people out of the beltway and get America First movement in there. And that's kind of where I'm going to leave it on the last clip from the Trump rally with him touching on those points. You care about your future, your family and your country, then you have no choice. This November, you have to throw these raving lunatics the hell out of power and elect strong, smart, tough Republicans who will restore your borders, protect your safety, defend your jobs, and put America first. With Biden and the radical left, it's always America last, and that's what they do. You look at these horrible deals they make throughout the world, it's always America last. Everyone in Washington is obsessing over how to protect Ukraine's border. But the most important border in the world right now for us is not Ukraine's border, it's America's border, and we do nothing about it. But let people come in, and we have no idea who they are. The first duty of the American president is to defend the American border. Before our leaders talk about invasions of other countries, they need to stop the invasion of this country. It's being invaded. It's being invaded by people that should not be allowed to do. You know, we had the safest border, the strongest border that we've ever had just one year ago. And before Joe Biden send any troops to defend a border in Eastern Europe, He should be sending troops to defend our border right here in Texas. An invasion like we've never seen before. I mean, that's true. 100%. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give it a 8.5. Yeah. Definitely not his best work. Mm -mm. Well more put together, less windy. You know, he's talking about those sons of bitches who are holding up the teleprompter. <laughs> and, and he compared him to like. He's saving the, it, though. Yeah. I, I agree. 8.5, but he's saving it because I feel like he's like, he's being really calculated right now. <clears throat> and timing is, is everything. Yep. Like, I think things are going to start to play out with, and then he's going to touch on those things and it's going to be a buildup, honestly. Yeah. And, and you could even see some of the things. Uh, you know, he touches a little bit on the economy and energy, but he's not there yet because that's something that really affects people in the wallet. That's way more personable right at the election time. Also, critical race theory. You know, he, he mentions the, the wokeness here in the military and then what's being taught to children in schools. Definitely something that he hits on every once in a while, but but something that's it's it's those working class families and those uh, suburban moms that he really needs to, to win over this time to make sure that uh, all these America First candidates are going to get over the finish line come November. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, we're going to jump in with one right now. He's the uh, former governor of Missouri, and uh, he's running for a Senate seat there. In just a moment, as his audio is loaded, Mr. Eric Greitens is going to be joining us for an America First interview. All right, joining us next today on this Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast, he was the 56th governor of the state of New Jersey. He's also an America First candidate that's running to represent the Senate in the Show Me State. Mr. Eric Greitens, thanks for joining us today. 
Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Great to be on with you and the whole uh, Steak for Breakfast crew. Well, it's our pleasure, sir. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. How is everything going with you? Everything's going great, man. We're, we're having a lot of fun. This campaign is coming very well. We got a tremendous amount of support. Uh, everybody's having, uh, having fun. I think that everybody recognizes the crisis that the country is in right now. And you know what? The good thing is, this has always been true. Lincoln said it, that when there is a crisis and the American people are given the facts, they will step up to meet the crisis. You guys have been out there, you know, pounding the facts, getting the news out that the mainstream media often won't cover. But I'll tell you, people around Missouri are fired up. People are ready to take the country back. Yeah, they certainly are. We're definitely seeing huge movement going on right now in, in all these different states. We've had on so many great guests as of late. Just today, we we just sat down with the Miss Carrie Lake, who's running to be the governor of, of Arizona, and, and talked about her platform. And then, you know, you're someone that knows uh, how the whole ins and outs of being a governor is. I was extremely excited to see you getting back into things uh, when you announced your run for the Senate. I wanted to touch on that before we kind of get into the issues. What was the motivating factor for you kind of get get back into all this and, and jump back into the world of politics? Yeah, look, man, I think that we all have an opportunity here in our lives to live for a purpose that's larger than ourselves. Um, we all have the opportunity to do something meaningful and I recognize, I think all of your listeners recognize that the country is in crisis. Um, it is certainly in the biggest crisis it's ever been in my life. You know, as, as you guys know, I was honored to serve as a Navy SEAL in places like Iraq and Afghanistan. I was in the SEAL team training when September 11th happened. We all felt that that was a tremendous, tremendous threat to, uh, to the country, but it is, you know, when you look today at what's happening with Joe Biden's open border, with inflation, the military disaster in Afghanistan, the defund the police movement, critical race theory at home, COVID tyranny, all of these things over and over and over again, it lets everybody know, hey, there is a real crisis. And I think it's incumbent for all of us. And this is this, not just people who are running for office, for everybody to say, what are you gonna do? I've been saying to people, if you're on the sidelines, you're on the wrong side. We all have to find a way to get involved. Our country is counting on us. Our kids and our grandkids are going to depend on what we do at this moment. And we have got to save uh, the republic. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a lot of the things you say right there are the things we hear on a biweekly basis on this show from a lot of the candidates who just, you know, at some point, whether it be people who served like you, the Joe Kent's of the world, the Teddy Daniels, the Doug Mastrianos, all the way down to people who may already be in politics at the state level, Mark Fincham's, you got Anthony Sabatini's, Steve Kara's, people like that. The America First movement, the, the, the thing that we hear out of everybody is just that we're, we're seeing things happen to this country that we've never seen happen before, and it's all happening at the same time. And the only way to kind of, you know, get America back to where it needs to be, which is those America First values and being a prominent force in the world, is just to put a hard stop on it in the midterm elections this coming year. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, and also, if you take a step back and you think historically, tyrannical leftist movements never stop on their own. They always have to be stopped. And you can go back, you can look at the Jacobins and the French Revolution. 
Pol Pot in Cambodia, the Bolsheviks, Mao in China. There's never a point at which a leftist says, okay, that's enough tyranny, that's enough control. They keep going and they keep pushing and we've seen that time and time again. The only way that leftists are going to stop is if we, as citizens stand up at every level and stop them. If we take back our school boards, if we take back our party, right? And we gotta talk about taking the party back from the Republican establishment. But if we take back our party, we take back the school boards, we take back at every level of government and every level of civil society, if we get engaged, that's how we win. But the tyrants are bullies and they work by threatening people. They work by attacking people. They work by threatening people who just put pro-police messages out on their Facebook. They work by threatening teachers who are willing to stand up against critical race theory. Bullies and tyrants uh, succeed when good people do nothing. If people of courage right now who are listening to this, you say to yourself, what can I do? And you find your way to exercise courage and get engaged. The good news is that courage is contagious. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and we're seeing more and more of it every day with, uh, you know, a whole bunch of these people getting into the ring right now. So many announcements after the redistrictings across the country of, of candidates who are looking to bring that America first agenda back to the beltway. You did touch on the face of the Republican Party and how it may look different now than it has in years past. I know there's a lot of people who are running on the platforms like the Republican Party of, of running every four years on anti-Democrat president, lowering taxes and working out some kind of an immigration, which turns out to be an amnesty bill. Those days are over. This this is America first now is going to mean America first. I definitely think Donald Trump, when he was the president, took those ideas to Washington, D.C. He got so much stuff done, even though he ran up against the administrative state and people in his own party for a greater part of his presidency. And now with all these people going to uh, run the midterm elections this year that would promote and support and carry out a lot of these things that you're probably going to see from a, a Trump presidential run in 2024. Why has the Republican Party changed so much over the last couple of decades? Well, here's the fact. What's happening is that the people are standing up. Mm -hmm. People are recognizing that the threat to the country is not only from the left. I mean, the left comes and you see all of their madness. You see all of their craziness with the defund the police movement, with critical race theory, with open borders. The problem in the country has often been the cowardice and the corruption of the Republican establishment. Time and time again, what you find is that rhinos actually join forces with leftists against the people. And you can see this in things like the, you know, Joe Biden's Green New Deal trillion dollar plus infrastructure bill. 19 Republican senators joined with them to make that happen. That was wrong. What they, sh- what they should have done and could have done when President Trump was in office was to actually fund a border wall. Mm-hmm. That makes sense from an infrastructure perspective. But what you see time and time again, they opposed President Trump, they opposed his America First policies, and yet these rhinos are willing to cooperate with the left. It's one of the reasons why I was the first candidate in the country who said, when I'm elected and I win this seat in the U.S. Senate, I'm voting for new leadership in the Senate. I'm voting against Mitch McConnell. Yes. We need to have real America first leadership. And that's, you know, that frankly, every candidate who's running for the Senate needs to be, be saying the same thing. Make it very clear. We're going to stand with the people, not with business as usual. That's great to hear and, and extremely refreshing. Something that, again, we're hearing on on. on 
from a lot of people who are coming on this show right now that those days of, you know, just electing somebody and letting them do whatever they want, even if it doesn't best reflect their constituents or the American people on a national level while they're serving in the House and Senate just ain't going to cut it anymore. I do want to start to touch on some of the issues. I think one of the biggest crises we see right now is what's going on down at the southern border. It's It's been out of control for a long time. It's something that everyone who comes on this show has a really good take on and, and a way that we can get, you know, our border secure again. What are some of the things you'd like to see uh, happening when you get into the Senate regarding the crisis down at the uh, southern border? Okay, well, well, first of all, let's talk about how bad it really is at the border. Um, so look, I served, I served as a Navy SEAL when I came back from Iraq after my team was hit by a suicide truck bomb. I helped my fellow friends who'd been, who'd been seriously injured. Um, I've worked on, the, on front lines doing humanitarian work. One of the things that I've learned time and again is that if you really want to understand a problem, you have to be willing to go to the front lines. You can't read about it. You can't just hear about it. You got to go there yourself. So I went not just down to the southern border. I actually went to the Mexican side of the southern border to see what was really happening. So let me share with you just a little bit of what I actually learned and saw. Sure. So I went down to Del Rio, Texas, which all of your listeners will remember. That was a place where we had about 15,000 Haitians coming across. And then I went over the border to Ciudad Acuna on the Mexican side. Now, I walked down to to the border and within being at the border, within the first three minutes, the first group of four people came and they walked across the border and 90 seconds later, they were in the United States of America. We were down there for another two minutes or another seven or eight people who crossed, crossed the border. It was happening a constant stream of people crossing the border. Now, first of all, the Biden administration has been lying about what the numbers are really like. Yeah. We know that there are at least 200,000 people coming across each month. And the Border Patrol agents who we talked to estimated that they're in touch, that they make contact with only one third to one fifth of all the people coming across the border. So you do the quick math, that's 600,000 to 1 million people coming across the border every single month. Now, it gets worse. When I walk down to the Mexican side of the border, it's littered you know, with the kind of trash that you would expect, water bottles and food debris, but there were also hundreds, thousands of IDs. What happens is people walk up to the border and they literally throw their IDs down on the ground. The reason they throw their identification down on the ground is that under Joe Biden's policy, they walk across the border and they're not trying to be sneaky. Mm-hmm. They walk across the border, they walk right up to the Customs and Border Patrol agents. Those Customs and Border Patrol agents take them to the nearest Customs and Border Patrol office. At that office, they're asked what their name is. They then give whatever name they want to the Customs and Border Patrol. The Border Patrol then turns around, fills out a piece of paper and, and says, uh, you need to appear in court within 90 or 120 days and then releases them into the United States of America or, as you've seen, sometimes actually flying people at taxpayer expense all over the country. Now, what's important to know is that when I was at, at that southern border on the Mexican side, I was picking up IDs from all over the world, from Ghana, from Suriname, from Cuba, from Haiti, from Venezuela from Argentina, from El Salvador, also from Egypt, from the United Arab Emirates. 
And it's important for everybody who served in the military recognizes we have a very determined and vicious enemy that we faced overseas. And absolutely, this was just where I stopped. IDs from, from Egypt and the UAE, people who came. And while we can't know any particular story of the person who crossed, we know for sure that Al Qaeda, Abu Sayyaf, Jamaa Islamiyah, all of these movements know that if you want to put an operative inside the United States of America, all you have to do is get to Mexico and you can walk into the U.S. Mm -hmm. Last thing I'll say on this, and people have touched on it, but this is a humanitarian crisis that is probably worse than almost anything else that is happening in the world right now. Yes. Uh, before, before I joined the SEAL teams, I did a lot of humanitarian work overseas. I worked with kids in Bosnia who were survivors of ethnic cleansing, worked with kids in Rwanda who were survivors of genocide, worked with kids in Cambodia who lost limbs to landmines. Um, and the hu- humanitarian crisis that you're seeing on the southern border is worse than almost anything that, that, that is happening anywhere else in the world right now. We talked to one Customs and Border Patrol agent who said there was one kid who was sold 17 times. They use these kids, they buy them, they walk across the border with them because they believe that under Joe Biden's policies that they're going to be that much more likely to be let in if they come across with a kid. They then turn the kid over, that kid gets sent back across the border, gets sold again to another group, and they keep crossing. Terrible things are happening uh, to so many of these young kids on the southern border. Final point about what's happening there is that people also should recognize that the Mexican drug gangs and cartels are taking advantage of the open border, and that's affecting every community in the United States of America. Massive influx of things like fentanyl, just killing people across, across the world. Anyway, all of that's to say it's important to go down to the southern border. It is far, far worse than anyone in the mainstream media will tell you. And I believe that the left knows what they're doing. This is a deliberate act to undermine the United States of America. It certainly is. And uh, definitely something that's making us not only be weaker with all the stuff that's coming into our country, whether it be terrorists, economic migrants, uh, children that are getting lost in the system. And then, of course, all of the drugs, the fentanyl crisis is out of control. But then internationally, how it looks to uh, not only our allies, but our enemies abroad, which is what I want to touch on next. National defense. We've seen that kind of be a disaster from top to bottom since Joe Biden uh, took office last year. We talked about uh, briefly the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan and how much that costs us both figuratively and literally, and now we have what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, China and Taiwan, and of course, Iran. What's your take on on what's going on with national defense now? And and when we get control of the Senate again after the midterms, what do you think we can do to uh, kind of rebolster that and, and, and get that military strong again? Yeah, for sure. First of all, let's contrast President Trump's foreign policy with Joe Biden's because it provides some some hopeful direction for where we want to go. President Trump pursued a peace through strength foreign policy, and that policy was very clear. One, we're going to put an end to endless wars, but we were also willing to take out people who represented a threat. President Trump killed Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian butcher, when he had the opportunity to. President Trump defeated ISIS. And because of that peace through strength foreign policy, what did you see? You saw President Trump was able to secure historic peace deals. 
right? We got the Abraham Accords accomplished. Israel was normalizing its relations with its Arab neighbors. The last time that happened was 1994 in Jordan. Before that, it was 1979 in Egypt. So historic peace deals were accomplished through a peace through strength foreign policy. Joe Biden, by contrast, has pursued a policy of weakness. You saw him recently begging OPEC to increase oil production. You saw the military disaster in Afghanistan. And I will say, like, I've had so many people who came up to me after this happened and said, can you explain to us what they were thinking, right? And the answer is no, right? You could have pulled a group of fifth graders together and they could have organized a better evacuation out of Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every, everybody knows you get your people out first. You don't leave them behind. You get out or destroy your military equipment. You don't leave it behind. You keep your most important strategic air base. These were very basic things which the Biden administration absolutely failed to do. And unfortunately, not only did they strand American citizens, but we lost a lot of our service members. I was just recently with Mark Schmitz. He is the father of Jared Schmitz one of the United States Marines who was killed tragically in Afghanistan. Joe Biden's incompetence and his dereliction of duty cost lives. And it's not just Americans who see it, the whole world has seen it. And so what have you seen? You saw Russia sign a new military cooperation agreement with Saudi Arabia. You're seeing China put nuclear capable aircraft through Taiwanese airspace. You have Russia taking increasingly aggressive actions. Why are they doing this? Because everyone senses Joe Biden's weakness. Weakness invites threats. Strength helps to make sure that you preserve peace and security. We need to get back to a President Trump peace through strength foreign policy. Yeah, we definitely need to do that and uh, have seen so much changes over the course of the last 13 months. I think another thing that None of us touched on it, which is also important. You see a lot of our historical allies in the military sense, you know, people that we coordinate with along the go, they're starting to work by themselves and excluding Joe Biden and the United States from a lot of their coordination. And uh, it just doesn't make sense on, on why we would both leave ourselves internally and externally, you know, is so weak in, in the world footing. Eric, one of the things I wanted to touch on, I, I think it's huge, and I think it's definitely something that, that transpires into your senatorial run. As governor, you ran on a platform that was pro-jobs, pro-cops, pro-vets, pro-accountability, pro-big economy in Missouri. How does what those things that you ran on and were so successful with as governor really take uh, you know into your Senate run and be able to bring to D.C. To, to as a senator representing Missouri there? Well, look, uh, what people liked about uh, my service as governor, what they liked about my service, you know, helping my fellow veterans who were injured, what they liked about my service as a Navy SEAL, what they liked about, uh, you know, what I did when I was doing humanitarian work was that we get results for people. Um, I believe that, that as conservatives, we need to very, be very clear that the reason why we are taking courageous action against the left and against the rhino establishment. Is it like that courage is, is rooted in love? And if you really care about people, then that means that you care about getting results for them. And what people appreciate is that I and the teams that we put together, we get results for people. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was governor, you guys all remember before, before I was governor, Ferguson, Missouri was the home, the beginning of the anti-police movement. Yep, yep. When, I, when I was governor, Antifa and Black Lives Matter came to Missouri and we defeated them. 
We defeated them with compassion, with clarity, with courage. We, I was exceptionally clear. I said, look, I fought for everyone's constitutional rights. Everyone has the constitutional right to freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. But I was also very clear that throwing a brick through a window is not free speech. And if you do it, you're going to get arrested. You assault one of our police officers, you are going to go to jail. And with that kind of clarity, we were able to defeat Antifa and BLM. After three days, they left. They'd broken a few windows and overturned some potted plants. What people, what people have always appreciated is that we get results, and that's exactly what we have to do uh, for the American people in the U.S. Senate as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty simple equation. You do the things that you've carried out your entire life and, and shown them to be a success. You turn that into something as, you know, all the successes you had as governor, and now you're looking to roll it into a, a Senate seat right now. Last thing I wanted to kind of touch on, this probably uh, resonates home with you. I mean, you're a Navy SEAL, you, you served in the military, and then you're going to be going back to the Beltway as technically a federal employee. The vaccine mandates, we've seen some of the stuff at the uh, federal court level be repealed over the last couple of weeks. However, um, for all our men and women serving in the military, in addition to our federal frontline workers uh, down on the border, this vaccine mandate is still in effect and, and still costing people their jobs on almost a daily basis. What are some of the things you want to see to uh, kind of stop that once you get into the Senate? So first of all, let's be very clear about what's happening. This is terrible. It is an absolutely terrible thing to do to the entire federal workforce. It is a terrible thing to do to our men and women in uniform, and it's having devastating consequences. Um, I'll start with the SEAL team and the, the SEAL teams, and then we'll kind of branch out from there. Sure. Um, as you guys know, there are hundreds of, of SEALs who have said that they're going to refuse to take the vaccine. And the U.S. Navy has threatened that if they don't take it, they're going to pull their trident. They're going to pull their SEAL uh, uh, qualification so that they can no longer serve as Navy SEALs. The At this point, the science is exceptionally clear. There is no scientific, military, or medical justification for a vaccine mandate, especially with some of the healthiest people in the entire world. It makes no sense. And you ask yourself, who benefits from this? Who benefits if we lose over 600 shooters out of a force of about 2,400? All of our who enemies. Benefits? All of our enemies, exactly, sir. It is Russia. It is China. It is it is Al Qaeda. All of our enemies benefit from this, and the American people lose. It is wrong. You go back to what's happening at the southern border. Mm -hmm. Those six hundred thousand to a million people who are crossing, they're not enforcing a vaccine mandate on them, and yet the valiant Customs and Border Patrol agents who are down there trying to do their job, some of them are being threatened with losing their jobs and their livelihoods. At this point also, it's very clear, these things should not even be called vaccines. Let's remind all of your listeners that the CDC changed their definition of a vaccine because this job, this jab is not a vaccine. <laughs> when you get jabbed with a smallpox vaccine or a polio vaccine, that means you don't get it. 
or chicken pox. I mean, that means that you don't get it. That means that you are taken care of. This is not a vaccine. It does not work. Some of the highest levels of COVID infection right now in the world, Israel, Denmark, the UK, the most highly vaccinated populations in the world. A, it doesn't work. B, there are serious documented side effects including everybody's talking about myocarditis. That's a particular concern to young, healthy men. And absolutely, this has to be opposed at every level. One of the ways that you do that in the US Senate is that our founders gave the power of the purse, the power over taxpayer dollars to uh, the Senate and the House. And when I'm Senator, we're gonna make sure that not one penny not one penny of taxpayer dollars can go to forcing any American to take a vaccine that they don't want. That's uh wait, I heard that the vaccines were safe and effective. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't go 15 feet without hearing it somewhere. Yeah. If you can understand what they're saying underneath their masks. No, I'm talking about just like, you know, the little the radio and the store and stuff like that. Vaccines are safe and effective. Oh, man, Get your blah, blah, blah booster. What a disaster. The good part about it is, is that we have great America first candidates like Eric Wrighton. Yeah. We've thrown his name in the ring to uh, go and represent the people of Missouri in the Senate. And it was awesome getting to sit down with you today to talk about some of the issues that are really important to you, but more importantly, the American people. And then we're going to continue to track and support you in any way we can. Uh, before we let you go, though, we do want to direct our listening audience to be able to find you, your campaign website, any social media. Tell us what you need and uh, we'll live link it in the show description today, sir. Yeah, for sure, guys. Well, honored to be on with you. Appreciate what you do getting getting information out to patriots around the country. Uh, honored to have any of your listeners come out and join our fight. I'm at ericgreitens.com. It's E-R-I-C-G-R-E-I-T-E-N-S.com. You can come out there, sign up for our newsletter, get engaged. And uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, we can all do our part. Find a way to get engaged with my campaign or somebody else's, but we've all gotta be part of this fight to take our country back. And we'd be honored to have everybody come out and, uh, and join us at ericwritens.com. He's got the total package right here. I mean, his, uh, his Twitter bio listed, he's a proud dad which I'm sure is uh, definitely something that he's proud of, having his kids. And then he's done an extensive amount of humanitarian work around the globe, in addition to just being a warrior as a Navy SEAL. And then as the governor of Missouri, he's looking to uh, get back into this and fight for the America First movement in uh, Washington, D.C. as a senator from the Show Me State. This is Eric Greitens. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. You bet, guys. Thanks. So what do you guys think of uh, Commander Greitens? Wow. Yeah. Wow. He's Huge awesome. Yeah, he did some... Uh, a lot of people who don't know, you know, his backstory when he was the governor of Missouri. Uh, he did a lot of work there that that really represented the people of uh, the blue collar workers and, and the strong military presence they have in that state. And it's really great to see that he uh, felt compelled enough to go in and jump back in the ring for the midterm elections and represent Missouri as a senator. I know. God, God bless him. I, I didn't know. And I, I thought he was amazing. He was a really good guest, and we'll look forward to having him back. Um, something that we touch on frequently on this show, especially with our guests, but but don't get enough, you know, good receipts because it's kind of hard to uh, play any kind of audio commentary of people swimming across the Rio Grande or uh, running away from uh, border guards. But uh, it's the crisis that's going down in the southern border right now. Over the last week, we've we've produced 
uh, some quality commentary, but now have some audio receipts to go along with it. As some of the heavy hitters in the Department of Homeland Security came down with uh, some senators and governors, and, you know, um, secretaries of state over the last week or so to kind of do some tours there to just trying to wrap their brains around how bad the situation is, which is, as Commander Greitens mentioned, worse than anyone could ever imagine and 10 times worse than the reportable numbers. Um, there's some leaked audio that came out last week, and this is via uh, Texas representative Tony Gonzalez, who accompanied Alejandro Mayorkas while he was down here and was able to get him in a uh, hot mic moment talking about just how awful the situation is now that he's had a chance to go and see it with his own eyes. We should have enough personnel to take care of the southern portion. I mean, that's, that's the solution. And that hasn't been the case. Look, it's worse now than it, frankly, has been in at least 20 years, if not ever. If not that ever. Is not, that is absolutely not the solution. And that's a hardship that you're enduring. And that's him kind of probably addressing a crowd of people who, a group that works on the border, and due to the fact that there was a lot of static there, that, that representative from Texas, Tony Gonzalez, he probably had his phone in his jacket and, and just wanted to get some hot takes of, of what it really looked like down there. The audio is a little bit better on when the uh, chief of the Border Patrol came down Ooh. with Alejandro Mayorkas to do a little tour and was confronted by some of the men who work along the southern border. I'm going to play the audio from that now. And uh, I can only hope that every single muster this guy goes to ends that way. That no, just that yeah. these BP <laughs> BP guys are just going to be, you know, cheered on by by doing this, mm-hmm. and it's just going to get just Here. more and more based every single one. Uh, these are some yeah. of our agents from from the great state of Arizona here, letting Border Patrol Chief uh, Ortiz know where he can shove his uh, political ideologies. We stay focused, we continue to do the job and the mission that we signed up for, right? We all signed up for, we all raised our hand. It's kind of hard to say that. To defend the Constitution, not the It's not hard to say it. It may be hard for you to say it. Oh. I've been doing this for 31 years. It's not hard for me to say it. Every day I wake up and I'm committed to this organization and I'm committed to each one of y'all. We say the same thing, but it seems like the policies kind of different. You're getting getting bogged down in the policies and the politics. You're getting bogged down by the details. What's happening? That's why Chief's got left. You just said it. You can't. Is anything going to happen to you? You just said it. The whole generation. The whole generation. Why are you guys getting caught up in semantics? Right? There's a mission out there to be. There's a mission out there to be. We can sit here and argue about it till we're blue in the face. Right? I've been doing this job as long as y'all. That's the problem. What's that? That's the problem, Chief. Ooh. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. I can't hear that. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That's exactly what's happening here. Good men are doing nothing. You're allowing the legal aliens to be dropped off communities. You are doing something. No, sir, we're not. You are. You're rescuing people every day. You're taking fentanyl off the streets every day. You're taking methamphetamine off the streets every day. We've got the highest fentanyl death in the history of our country in one year in this country. You know, we've made more fentanyl seizures 
already this year than we made last year? How many have we not captured because we're focusing on expanding? And that's the problem. And we're working on it. Where are the results? We don't have results. So in taking a cue from his supervisor, Alejandro Mayorkas, the the chief of the Border Patrol, said, essentially, I don't have the data, but I'll have to get back to you on that. Well, it's we have you you can go out there and we have a mission to do. It's like what feed aliens? Oh, don't you dare say that! I don't have to say that anymore. Or feed undocumented. What is how did you what are you supposed to say now? I don't know. Undocumented immigrants. Undocumented, unintentionally present people. People. Yeah, you can't. Even, not, did he did he say you guys signed up for this? Is or like? Yeah, no. you raised your right hand. I didn't. Yeah, no, I mean, no, we did not. I, I, I'm this. pretty sure they're like, no, I didn't sign up for this. And you could see how nervous he gets. Like they they're starting. They were starting to slowly talk, you know, out and speak, and and he almost like you could just see him get like, oh shit. Yeah. Definitely. Oh my gosh. Okay. Not, not probably the reception he or Alejandro. Yeah. Well, yeah, he gonna... was expecting them to do that. And I also think I, I would say like, what, it, what was your fucking price? Like, what did you get paid or what did, what do they have on you to be so against? $10. Yes. $20. And what, $20. To be against, like, this is completely against everything that, that they're supposed to do. So why are you so opposite? Huh? Answer those questions, buddy. Well, because you were appointed by the guy who said he was going to do all this stuff and let everybody in. Yep. And, and essentially, are, by, by, accept, by accepting that job, you become a politician, and that's what you are. Your job is to be a political speaker box for the person that is currently occupying the Oval Office. So after those videos went viral, they made shows like Hannity and Tucker. Dan Bongino talked about it, and we saw it on all the Sunday morning shows about the displeasure of the people working along the southern border while we're letting in everyone from the rest of the world in through there. Uh, Jen Psaki was asked today if, if she had saw the video or, or had any commentary on it or maybe even if, if Joe Biden had, had heard about it, and her answer is probably not going to surprise you. And on, um, there's, there's been this leaked video of Border Patrol agents uh, expressing frustration over some of the policies of this administration. Um, I know that we talked last week about flights, and we've heard the explanation for this procedure that they were frustrated over. Um, but this video seems to show that, that morale is, you know, in a tough place, that these agents are frustrated who are having to carry out these policies. Is anything being done to improve morale? Is there going to be any sort of outreach from the administration to Border Patrol, given that we're seeing more of this come to the surface? I haven't watched in detail the video. Oh, I will not. note that I think it was the migrant flights video. Is that the one that was, or is it different? It's video? a different video. Okay. Um, I didn't want to speak to the wrong thing. Um, of course, uh, the role that uh, Border Patrol agents play um, in uh, ensuring security and safety uh, at our borders is something that there's great value for in this administration. And I would point you to the Department of Homeland Security, mm. who oversees, of course, the, the Border Patrol uh, agents and can see if there's anything, any more specific programs that are underway. Um, well, I thought you were going to for sure garrison that one. No, it's just, I, I can't imagine a press secretary not being appraised of things going on in the press. Right. You know she's agonized over that video too. Do yourself a favor. Okay. Sign up for a kickboxing class, pour yourself a margarita, <laughs> and just ignore it. You Five. smell that? That's the smell of the country burning down. Five margaritas. Ten <laughs> margaritas. <laughs> so all, all, while all this goes on, 
we, we probably would want to hear anything from the supposed leader of the free world. Here's him at a conference yesterday addressing a uh, panel of governors and talking about pallets of cash. You're having an opportunity, and my cabinet and overall team is getting a chance to meet you all, know you personally, and en engage with you on the great concern that you, you have. You know, um, the, uh, uh, I uh, had a chance to hear from several leaders of my administration this morning, including uh, um, former governors. If you notice, I hired a lot of governors and mayors because they know how to get things done. And you have two, uh, two governors sitting to my left here who are taking on major, major responsibilities. I remember when uh, we were out on the trail, uh, Maybe my Governor legs. Vilsack uh, telling me that uh, the first industry in the nutsack? world is going to have zero emissions is going to be agriculture. And he was right. At the time, it was a fairly novel idea. But a lot of you picked it up and moved beyond. And, uh, and uh, I know that, um, look, the American Rescue Plan uh, was a lot of money. And it was designed to uh, make sure we could carry the nation forward in dealing with uh, vaccines, boosters, or creating jobs, and Boy. keeping schools open. And All the things that you failed things. at doing. Stay on the map, And uh, Gov, you said send your money. We have. <laughs> We've sent you a whole hell of a lot of money. Talk and uh, we're going to send you more. You keep using it as well as you have. Yeah. Oh, that's really unfortunate. What a stupid son of a bitch. So, <laughs> yeah, so, well, in addition to saying that pallets of cash are on the way for all of our blue states, blue cities, blue mayors, and everyone whose campaign was funded by George Soros, he also weighed in today on his possible nominees for the Supreme Court. No names were given yet. However, he did talk about the living, breathing entity that isn't the Constitution. There's always a renewed national debate every time we uh, nominate any president nominates a justice because the Constitution is always evolving slightly uh, in terms of additional rights or curtailing rights, etc. And it's uh, always an issue. How about no? Yeah, no. No, thank you. Hard was, isn't there talk about him nominating Kamala? There's a possibility of it. We we talked about it briefly last week. How uh, it would be like a worst case scenario. Um, yeah, like like one don't one of them have to die? <laughs> well, he could nominate her. She could assume the spot on the Supreme Court, and then he would elect. He would nominate a, a vice president. So, a new one. Yeah, but it does. The vice president that he would nominate really? doesn't have to be confirmed. They would essentially be appointed. So if Hillary. that could be Hillary, she could do the old switcheroo, 25th Amendment, and then you have, you know, yep. Hillary Buttigieg or even worse, <laughs> Hillary Susan Rice, Hillary John Kerry. Um, yeah. The, 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 Hillary ultimately, unless they want to like segue it even like, you know, slower to, you know, warm people up to her. But it would be so interesting. Like Cash said, he's like, I, I would love to, when he said, I'd love to see them do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, if he's saying this. <laughs> It's going to be an epic fail, in my opinion, but obviously it's going to be a shit show. Sure. Yeah. And we do have some hot takes on, on the legacy media, most notably Joe Dushboro. Him and Mika made some really off-color comments uh -huh. on the yeah. uh, truckapalooza that's going on uh, and uh, up in Ottawa and, and just really how out of touch these people are trying to demonize every single thing that's not like stay in your house, 
collect government checks because we took away your job. Your kids are going to wear masks forever if they're even allowed to go to school and get your booster shots. Let's kind of hear them weigh in on the uh, truckers for freedom going on in uh, Canada. Canada to a standstill. Dozens of trucks and other vehicles could be seen blocking the downtown area of Ottawa as protesters rallied against vaccine mandates, masks and lockdowns. That seems uh, like an interesting way to spend your weekend. The demonstrations were initially aimed at pushback against vaccine mandates for truck drivers crossing the U.S.-Canada border. But the movement escalated into an expression of disapproval with the Canadian government's COVID-19 policies. Officials say several investigations are underway into reports of severe vandalism and criminal behavior, including the desecration of national monuments. Hmm. Meanwhile, Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson said some protesters harassed a soup kitchen, demanding free meals because their refusal to wear masks meant they were not uh, to order in restaurants. That soup kitchen tweeted COVID protesters were given meals to defuse the conflict and that this weekend's events have caused significant strain on our operations at an already Difficult. So, so these anti-vaxxers actually took food from the mouths of the homeless. Hum- hungry, yeah. Because they were, they're, they're, they're so put upon. Because yeah. they have that vaccine. I'm just curious, again, where were these protests when people were required to take, get five vaccines to start school? Where were these protests when people were required to give their children five vaccines? They were in the doctor's office getting they, vaccines. Sorry, they were in the doctor's office getting vaccines. They were making fun of left-wingers on the West Coast for being loopy anti-vaxxers. Now they have met the enemy, and the enemy, their enemy, is themselves, because they've become what they hated. They've become what what they mocked. And now they're taking food from soup kitchens because they're so put upon for being asked to do what they've been asked to do, required to do, their entire lives. Coming up. It's a cult <laughs> yes it is they're disgusting Oof. you know what they got their 4 a.m talking points and they were they were so pure trash they had to improvise you know you know where we were joe the ones that were advocating for no jobs for kids we were shunned and nobody gave us any attention we've been here for many many years buddy decades 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 i'm telling you i have it in my own family not my immediate family but you know first cousins and as such like Ooh, these people are gonna burn so badly. You could tell already that they're they're grasping so hard, and like whoever's giving them this shit to read. Ooh. And you know who is probably um, looking to uh, hit the bat phone for Klaus Schwab or George Soros over the, the course of the weekend was Justin Trudeau, the Prime oh, Minister yeah, of Canada. Sure. He did what any <laughs> strong, independent progressive world leader would do in this day and age when something like truckapalooza happened in ottawa five-day quarantine he got covid (laughs) and was whisked away to a secure location (sighs) and they found it anon's fucking found where he was at so it's not so secure people no and (laughs) then a motel six well, no, it's like a chalet or like a chateau sort of like you know on like some land but it's so uh, it's like right there just, it, it was so easy to find. And you would think he's he, on his maple syrup plantation. He's worn so many <laughs> worn so many disguises over the year. So, oh, such he's as, a master of disguise. Yeah, such as the several oh, times yeah. he's been documented wearing blackface. Uh, Tucker Carlson weighed in on last night on 
Oh my God. He's the so new so hidden good. leader <laughs> and, and did a little segment documenting some of his most famous costumes. In a democracy, you should know where the head of state is, right? Don't you have a right if you're a voter? Shouldn't Canadians have a right to know where he is? Yeah, but it doesn't matter because Justin Trudeau can hide anywhere. He's a master of disguise. Any Amazing. place in the world, Justin Trudeau could blend in and you'd never know it was him. And to prove it, we're going to show you a series of photographs right now. All of them are real and all of them depict the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. So here he is looking very much not like a French Canadian, looking pretty dark, actually. This is an Arabian night themed gathering when he was a high school teacher. Oh, he's got blackface on. Interesting. And here he is blending in convincingly as a Bollywood star in India. Hands grasped together in reverence and prayer. Wow. Here he is flanked by his new countrymen. They have no idea they're in the presence of a Canadian politician. That's how convincing Justin Trudeau is when he decides to play dress up. They think he's one of them. I love samosas, Justin says. We do too, say the Indians. They have no idea they're talking to a Canadian. But when he's not fooling people in India, he's fooling Native Americans. And yes, there is a difference, bigot. Not all Indians are the same. Here's Justin Trudeau wearing the traditional headdress of one of Canada's many indigenous tribes. Like the Aztecs of yore. Justin Trudeau will rip your heart out, ladies. <laughs> There's your Indiana and yet, Jones reference. And what's this? Is that Clark Kent of Superman fame? No, once again, it's just Justin Trudeau. He can impersonate fictional characters. Here he is looking like a stranded pilot in the desert from one of the Star Wars movies. He could literally be hiding on a soundstage in Hollywood as we speak. He could even be on a ranch, as these pictures demonstrate. Well, that one's more of a broken mountain, hat. but... Unbelievable. As long as no one hands him a gun or asks him where food comes from, that's a convincing rancher right there. <laughs> Pretty solid take on... Uh, really? That was, like, so savage. The master of disguise that Justin Trudeau has uh, embodied over the course of his uh, long, storied career as a politician. So, because he's on the correct team, none of that becomes the coveted cultural cultural appropriation. First of all, how dare you? Yeah. We started off, we started. I mean, I'm pretty segment. sure some, some white girls at a uh, music festival got yelled at for wearing an Indian headdress. He has COVID. He's oh, quarantining. My bad. Yeah. Okay. After, after it, wasn't it after the trucking thing and he left to yeah. the secret location? Well, his first two tests were negative, but then when way more yeah. people than they expected showed up, of course, his third right. test was positive. Oh, he must have tested. Yeah, like exactly. So it's just, I mean, come on now. Five COVID tests. Yeah. Now they're, it, it's so funny at this point. It's obvious. They're uh, one, the tests are fucking bullshit. We know that now. They don't even work. Mm -hmm. Two, every single, every single politician that needs to avoid anything is like, Oh, I'm positive. I'm going in quarantine or, you know, like, but, but a, but is like, you know, I'm going on my paternity leave while the, like the shipping supply and the economy burns. Yeah. People are, it's just fucking crazy nuts. Well, but, he's always been a national embarrassment. Now this is kind of like the, uh, the cherry on top. You know, what's not embarrassing is the way that our last guest today political campaign has kicked off. Um, he just retired over the weekend from the army after a complete career there. And he is looking to bring America first values to the great state of Texas and house district 17. So we're going to be sitting down with uh, Jason storm Nelson now as his audio is just loading. All right. Joining us today on steak for breakfast. He's a husband, a father, former Marine. We'll get to that in a sec. 
He's a geopolitical advisor for East Asia and South America, and he's also a 2022 midterm election Republican candidate looking to represent Texas 17, Mr. Jason Storm. Nelson, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast today. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, we're really uh, thankful to be able to sit down with you, sir. First of all, I do want to circle back to your intro, long and uh, decorated, very good. But, you know, there's a lot of people on the show who have corrected me for saying former Marine, and there's only pretty much one way that that can happen. You want to explain, starting off with your recent retirement? Uh, the only way you could be a former Marine, uh, because they like to say you're not uh, an ex-Marine, you're a former Marine. Uh, I, I guess it's the once a Marine, always Marine thing, but, um, I did eight years in the Marine Corps. Uh, I joined on my 18th birthday, literally yellow footprints at Paris Island, nice, uh, nice. got out and then, um, I learned to read in college <laughs> and they wouldn't take me back. So I had to go into <laughs> the army. Happens. There you go. Uh, yeah. If I'd learned to count, I would have gone in the air force. And if I'd learned to bathe, I would have gone in the Navy, but I, I just got the reading part down. <laughs> Yeah, so last weekend you retired from the Army. I saw the ceremony. It was pretty nice. Uh, I watched some of your videos on your uh, social media feeds. you want to uh, talk about that real quick? Sure. So uh, I, I retired on the 29th, uh, which was obviously Saturday. I had the opportunity to go down to the border. Um, uh, had a very interesting experience down there. I got to watch a couple of attempted crossings. Had a uh, great opportunity to speak with a couple of Border Patrol agents and uh, got to go see a station chief. I won't say who because they're very nervous about even talking about what's going on down there. Uh, it's horrendous. I was able to sort of do a visual. I can touch the top of the Biden fence and I can, you know, uh, it's that's just pathetic. But anyway, uh, I, I had the opportunity to fly my flag uh, one last time. I've taken a flag everywhere all over the world for the last, uh, well, gosh, over a, a decade. Uh, that flag's made it with me. Um, it's been in war zones on important dates. It's been flown over New York City on September 11th over a firehouse. It's been, I, I mean, I can say it's been 100 places, but I got to go fly it at the border because, um, you know, I just retired. This is the end of an old career and uh, starting of a new one. Unfortunately, I retired at 19 years and uh, about seven months because um, uh, the 29th was the last day in which I could get out and still maintain my full disability benefits uh, because uh, because they have a vaccine mandate. And if I didn't get out by the 30th, I would have been court-martialed or they would have started the court-martial proceedings. So, yeah. so unfortunately, I had to end my career right before 20 years, which cost my family quite a lot. But oh, sure. Uh, I went down to fly that flag and just announced to people that this is, you know, this is just the start of a new uh, opportunity to serve. And I think it's probably the most important fight we've had of our lifetime, which is one for genuine liberty, for medical autonomy, uh, for the right to be able to tell people that you don't get to inject me or my family with something that uh, that you've decided uh, we need to have. When I, we have very little risk, when you've done no prophylaxis, when you won't give people uh, appropriate health care when they are sick, uh, and when it's not even dangerous to my children. And and these are things that are so important in the border. Uh, uh, just, well, I mean, it's it's insane. You see it on the news. Uh, it's incredible that, that we're flying people all over the country right now. Uh, who are crossing the country, yeah. uh, most likely child trafficking, drug trafficking. And, and I can't even go eat uh, you know, lunch in my nation's capital right now without a vaccine and an ID. Uh, so it's just it's, there's a lot of insane things going on right now. Yeah, there sure are. So and with uh, your, your early retirement, does, how, do you, how does that work for your uh, benefits? Do you get a partial or is that a all or nothing kind of deal? 
it's a complicated thing. I keep uh, from used to suck. I sort of forced through a medical retirement. I, I am uh, broken. I had to cut off all my terminal leave in order to get out in time uh, under the window, but I forced it through over a period. I talked with a number of lawyers uh, and I kept all those emails, but there are a lot of uh, 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 military experts. I tried to push through, uh, through military lawyers, through chaplains. Uh, I just wanted to finish out and, and get my 20 year letter. Um, but yeah, we lost, uh, yeah, we lost everything. So uh, when we get our uh, disability, I am a hundred percent combat disability, but uh, you know, I could have, I could have finished out, you know, six months at a training capacity and I could have gotten my full family retirement. But, you know, when you have to take a principled stand, you, you don't get to, uh, you don't get to pick and choose your battles. You either have principles or you don't. Yeah. And, and that means that you got to stand by them and I can't just walk the walk. Uh, I see you talk the talk, you have to walk the walk. And when you're going to run as a, as a, somebody who's quite frankly, probably even too conservative for central Texas, uh, <laughs> you've got to be able to prove to people and show your bona fides, which in this instance is, um, uh, medical autonomy is medical autonomy. I get to make my choices. Yeah. I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. That definitely is something that, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you taking that stand unfortunately it is going to negatively affect your family. And then, uh, you know, you're just going to have to see what happens with, uh, if the mandate's going to be canceled or not. And if there's going to be any kind of, uh, way you can get your stuff back, but we'll have to see as that kind of unfolds, you know, the mandates got struck down in the Supreme court for, uh, some context two weeks ago, but it does not still affect the military and, and federal workers yet. So, and it's just a, such a petty spiteful bullshit thing to do because they like, they could have let you just be a, a training capacity telework or something for six months. You know, what's um, it, it's that because a lot of people will say, Hey, you signed up for the military. You, you knew what you were getting into. Uh, I, I think there's just so mis. Uh, I don't even want to use the word because this word isn't even used correctly anymore, but there's so much misinformation out there. I had COVID last year. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is proven by every major study thus far that I am uh, a far superior immunity than anyone who took a, uh, a, a fairly untested um, vaccine. And, and, I'm, and by the way, in a risk group in which I, I, I don't have, I mean, I have comorbidities because I'm broken, but I, I obviously I'm, I'm not um, obese. I'm not uh, I don't have any other major health problems that would be uh, synonymous with, with, you know, severe COVID. So, I don't understand what their thought process is here. Do you know how many senior officers and staff and COs have just been jettisoned from the military? It almost feels like that was their whole point. I wonder the same thing with border patrol, same thing with police officers. So much, uh, it's like a, basically a brain drain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it certainly is. Yeah, and, the uh, people you'd want to hang on to who are, yes. are firm in their beliefs. Seems like that'd be a bonus. Sounds like a conspiracy theory to me. Right? Let me get my tinfoil. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's only a conspiracy theory until it's true. Yeah, there six you go. months. Give it six months. Jason, we do want to ask six. you about, about the campaign rollout right now. We've uh, you know, seen you take off and uh, hit the trail. I've, it's looking pretty good on your social media, but why don't you give us a little uh, peek into how everything's been going since you rolled out? Well, you know, we started out, I, I retired, uh, you know, when I started my terminal leave, it was cut short, but I, I came home and uh, the decision to run was made uh, based on, you know, there's a rhino here and um, uh, Pete Sessions, uh, he said they redistricted. So basically half the district is all brand new. They had some good congressmen in some of those areas. Uh, there's a lot of work to do, a lot of constituency services uh, work to do. And so what I've decided to do is go out and campaign by 
just meeting with people. I have a great campaign team. They're out doing all of this uh, uh, legendary work, quite frankly. I've got uh, great endorsements, Dr. Zavzalenko. I I picked up uh, uh, Seth Kessel. Um, I I know that I have a really big endorsement coming out this week. Uh, But, you know, if you go to Storm for Congress, that's number four, stormforcongress.com, you'll see that, quite frankly, I think that all of the areas that I know that I stand principled and firm are the same things that the people in this district want and they stand principled and firm. And more importantly, they just want representation. And I've gone out and, and tried to share with them that this is what I've done my entire military career in civil affairs is go out and work with key stakeholders, lots of whom don't like each other, some of whom put a gun against my head and and get them to use their meager resources to uh, solve complex problems uh, with, with a measure of effectiveness so we know that those problems have actually been solved. And that opportunity to come out here and do this in such a varied and large district, 14 counties, uh, I think people are responding well to it. Uh, we're getting a lot of traction. Uh, if I had to say my my chance one month out, I'd say I'm probably sitting at about 31% right now. Uh, that's very strong. Um, I, I'd hope to be at 50%, uh, you know, plus one by the election. And I feel like we're on track for that. Uh, obviously, we need money. And we obviously, just for signs, I'm not even trying to get on TV, but I, I am out. I was out last night until uh, 1230 and got back up three hours later. And I've been out all day and I'll be out tonight until uh, two in the morning tomorrow. Um, but I'll do whatever it takes because that's what it's going to take when you're a representative is to be out here all the time with the people you're representing. And that's why I think you can only do it for six years. Any longer than that, you could never uh, possibly be effective. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where, especially in the beginning of a campaign, you really got to show face and, and get out there with, uh, you know, the people and tell them what you're all about and, and really get them kind of listening to some of the things that are affecting them the most, both locally and at the you know country level when you're talking about running for a U.S. Um, seat in the House of Representatives, which is what I want to touch on next. So what are some of the America First principles that you're running off of right now? Obviously, we already talked on the border and the importance of that. Obviously, we already touched on the vaccine mandates and how that's not a part of your platform either and something you'll probably be working on to stop once you get to uh, the Beltway. But what are some of the other things? I'm sure you could probably touch on either national defense, the economy, uh, things of that nature that are going to be, uh, you know, working through your campaign as you're trying to get the message out to your constituents. Well, uh, we'll get past Veterans Affairs because I think you're obviously aware of how important that is to me. And we'll just touch on national defense. Uh, do you know the best way to win a war? It's it's to never have to fight one because you're so damn strong that they're a single bully that's going to jump over that fence with a stick. Because they just know they're going to get their butt whooped and they're going to get thrown back over the fence. And right now we got a bully that jumped over the fence, got a couple of them on different sides. And they are just taking our outfielders and throwing them back on their side. We are uh, weak because we have weak, ineffective leadership. Uh, Our military is focused for far too long on on checking the box and not training. And I can tell you that from a training perspective. I can tell you from boots on the ground, from a uh, uh, from a first sergeant perspective of of work from maintaining a battalion. I'm telling you right now, we are not ready, and that's not uh, breaking operational security. That's just a fact. We need to address this as a nation. We need to be so strong that a single bully would even think about fighting a war with us. When we talk about the economy, uh, that goes back to America first principles. Because, again, when a war, we're not here to police the world anymore. They don't want us policing the world. Uh, If they don't want to – and the best way to do that is economically as well. You know, it's very funny to me that you have people on the liberal left who talk about caring about, I don't know, I'll give you an example, gay rights. 
And yet they'll want to do trade with countries. They would rather buy oil from a country that throws gay people off of buildings and sit here and let good Americans get jobs here. Uh, They would rather have uh, slave owning countries like China, human rights violators on a scale that we can't even believe uh, sit here. I mean, it's if you thought about how much fentanyl they're shoving across the border from China right now, how many Americans are dying or becoming hooked on drugs. It's a war. Mm-hmm. It's an actual war. And we are sending our companies over there and our money over there. And we're selling farmland to them. Cut it all back. No. First of all, communist China shouldn't own a single, single acre of land in the United States. If you're going to have slaves, if you're going to be an, uh, an autocracy, um, uh, you're not welcome to own land in the land of the free. That's it. You're done. And I'm sorry, if you want to go do business in China and not follow even the most basic of environmental principles because you're uh, and you make it impossible to build factories here. Come on down to Texas. We'll match you up with the community that has a labor force that can uh, that can fill your factory. Uh, we'll help you get it done. Uh, we'll help you find uh, and, and get everyone with our, our we have great universities out here. Stephen F. Austin Baylor uh, will get you uh, plugged in. We have communities that are ready to work. We have 14 counties that would love to pair up with industries that want to move away from a communist slave-holding country with a demagogue of a leader who's attempting to to just destabilize the free world through Japan, Korea, and Taiwan. We're done with it. Bring it back home. It isn't, it is no longer, for so long, it is, it's just Americans last, Americans last. It, it's, it's just time to put America first. And that is not uh, racist. That's not uh, xenophobic. I, I, I love immigrants. As a matter of fact, I'd like to trade a lot of liberal college students for some hardworking immigrants. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I bet you they'd love to go live in Venezuela or China. They want communism. Go on down to Cuba and trade me some hardworking people who just want to make a better way for themselves and understand that capitalism is the best way to show uh that freedom can work yeah a lot of the people that said they were going to move out of here never did i know why don't they yeah pretty funny seriously i keep my promises i mean i'd pitch in for a plane ticket plane ticket put them on a raft oh there you go yeah i'm sure you saw some of those down could float float them over so now last thing i want to ask you uh moving forward you said you know you've got a big endorsement coming up. We're going to be tracking that. And of course we'll be sharing it on social media as soon as it, uh, becomes, uh, available via breaking news. But then, you know, we want to look at what the road looks like ahead. You said you've been hitting it pretty hard working long, long days. What are some of the things you, uh, got coming up, you know, in regards to, uh, getting out to events and, uh, you know, looking to get your face out there with the people moving forward. Well, we have a great fundraisers. Uh, we have, <laughs> we use the word F U N. Uh, we're having a great fundraiser this weekend. Uh, actually, um, in China spring, uh, neat thing is we've got a, a, a reenactment fife band coming out, uh, you know, drum and fife and all of that coming out revolutionary war one. Nice. Uh, we've got another one coming up next week, uh, where we will be going, you know what? There's a whole events page on my, uh, website. Uh, I am super tired, and if I try to say every date right now, I'm going <laughs> to hang up, and my campaign manager is going to call me and say, "What did you do?" So, uh, and then we also have Dr. Zelenko is going to be coming out here uh, in the third week of February to host an event. Um, we're going to have a great big public event um, that focuses on health autonomy and what Texans can do to set a template for the rest of the country as we move away from these. Uh, um, <laughs> autocratic governors and and president because trust me those people aren't going to have any power uh very much soon yeah i can definitely uh 
see that as something that uh, <coughs> to look forward to and can understand about your tiredness. You talked about your website and social medias. Let's direct a lot of our listenership there so they could start interacting with you. Sure, that would be great. So if you want to go on Twitter, it's Storm for Congress. Uh, that's the number four, Storm for Congress, at Storm for Congress. The website is Storm, the number four, Congress.com. I'm on uh, every social media ever. And then uh, let's see, I'm on Getter. It's Jason Nelson TX17. And then the same thing, I believe it's Storm for Congress, the number four on, uh, on Telegram. So lots of great stuff coming up. Uh, we got our border videos on there, lots of uh, uh, interactions out here in the public. And uh, I had the opportunity to yo yell at uh, Pete Sessions um, out at the zoo. I mean, uh, out at his home. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to check that out, uh, that was pretty fun. Um, if you really want to freak people out, by the way, go yell at zoo animals <laughs> and ask them about their tax policy. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I was very confusing for some people. They're like, what do you mean that HIPAA or that rhino raised the uh, national debt $10 trillion? I'm like, no, no, that's Pete Sessions. You're good. Yeah. So that was lots (laughs) of fun, though. Uh, Excellent analogy. Yeah. uh, But we have the best volunteers. We have so many people working this campaign and and it's been fun. It's been fun going out. You know, each event is different. Uh, Every time you get a chance to speak, we are speaking at three different events every single day. Uh, All of those things are on my calendar on my website. But uh, I want to meet with as many people as possible so I can hear from them what they want, uh, what they need. The word is representative. Um, I put my phone number on the website. Yes, that's my actual phone number. You can call me and you'll have that for the next six years and then I'll disconnect it forever. <laughs> but <laughs> you can uh, reach out at any point And uh, uh, gosh, it's just exciting. I even got to yell at a bunch of Republicans a week ago. So uh um, and, and, you know, get them to quiet down, but I'll use my Marine voice. I'll use my, uh, uh talking to my six-year-old, my four-year-old, my two-year-old voice. I don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, right now, what it matters is let's get everybody on board. Let's coalesce behind one candidate. And let's take this district district. Perfect. And you want to know one of those things is, you know, we watched the rollout. We thought it was awesome. We've reached out. You jumped on with us already today. And uh, we're going to be definitely tracking. We'll live link all of your socials and, of course, the campaign website in our uh, show description today. And, uh, of course, we're going to be asking for you to come back at some point in the future and give us a campaign update. This is the man who's looking to represent Texas 17 in the U.S. House of Representatives, Mr. Jason Storm Nelson. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Our pleasure. It was really good just sitting down with uh, Jason Storm Nelson there and kind of getting his platform, and we look forward to having him back. And as we're getting ready to segue to our next guest, he would be one part of what would make up an amazing tag team duo of governor and secretary of state, along with Carrie Lake, Mr. Mark Fincham. Next today on this Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast, he's currently representing local District 11 in the great state of Arizona. He's looking to be the next Secretary of State there as well. And uh, he's a man who uh, you've probably seen him at a couple Trump rallies and uh, heard a lot of the great ideas he's looking to bring to the state of Arizona there. Mr. Mark Fincham, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. My pleasure, gentlemen. How's it going with you, sir? How's everything uh, going there with your campaign right now? Um, I would say it's going pretty darn good. I mean, we... we um did a, posted a pretty decent number for our first campaign finance report. Amazing. Um, what I'm really pleased about is that we have uh, over 8,000 donors. So this is definitely a grassroots campaign. And um, some uh, opposition research that had to do with polling uh, was leaked out oh, probably eight, nine weeks ago, showing that I'm 20 points ahead of the pack. So 
I would say that's a pretty good, pretty good launch. Yeah, it sounds like it's going well. Yeah, it sounds uh, pretty amazing to uh, hear those numbers this early. You know, we still have about maybe nine and a half months before we head to the ballot box. Um, so one of the hugest things that that definitely affects Arizona, we've seen you literally down there in, in several instances, and it's one of the biggest crises that our country is facing right now. It affects the economy, safety, ties into the COVID pandemic, uh, national security, you name it. It's touching it. It's the crisis down on the southern border. How's, uh, you know, some of the stuff that's going on with that? Can you give us some updates on maybe uh, the border wall or, or some of the time that you've spent down there recently? Sure. So let's let's take the time that I spent on the border. Um, I think probably is is um, that's the closest to home. Um, we uh, looked at a proof of concept project uh, to provide more efficient patrol of the southern border in Cochise County and in Yuma County mm-hmm. with um, with a particular program. I'm waiting on the executive of the state to get off the dime and spend some money on the proof of concept project. But what I want to do is make it easier for law enforcement to uh, grab the guys that are bringing poison into our country in the form of fentanyl and, yeah. and meth and all that and make it easier on our, our personnel. I mean, there's no reason for border patrol agents to be crawling over rocks and jumping over fences. And, you know, it's just, this is a, a life safety measure. Um, it's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you are, if you've got overwatch and you're able to see somebody come across the border with a bale of dope, you know, that eventually that individual is going to be picked up someplace. Why not tag him, watch him and be the welcome wagon. When, when he arrives at that place on the road, you can just say, welcome to America here. Let me take that burden from you. And, <laughs> and in fact, we've even got a place for you to stay three hots and a cot. It's secure. You won't have to lock your doors because we will. And then, of course, we're going to give you an all expenses paid trip back to your country of origin. So I think it makes it it's so much easier for our personnel and much more efficient for Mm -hmm. our personnel to be standing at that place where they come across um, whatever their transportation is (coughs) and see to it that their their poison doesn't make it into our streets and schools. Yeah, one of the things I, I, I failed to mention when I was talking about the Southern border was the huge, you know, fentanyl crisis that's going on right now. Fentanyl deaths are higher than they have been at any time before in this country. And, uh, you know, it's those gaping holes on the Southern border and the coordination with Latin and Central and South America, in addition to China, that fentanyl is making it over there and then up through Mexico and into the United States. Yeah. And then uh, then the tragedy of human trafficking, you know, we. The left, what's really interesting is that the, the Marxist media wants to avoid talking about the, the child rape trafficking of, and it's not sex trafficking, this is rape trafficking of mm-hmm. children. You know, Tom Homan spoke um, tearfully over the weekend over in McAllen, Texas. I was part of the We Stand America event, mm. which by the, by the way, the, the left, apparently we touched a nerve because they did everything humanly possible from cyber attacks on our website to shutting down the ticketing engine to um, th- even trying to tell everybody, Oh, the event's been canceled. Go over and see Donald Trump mm. who was over in uh, over by Houston someplace, I think. But what, what seems troubling to me is that they can't, <coughs> excuse me, they can't seem to bring themselves to talk about the fact that Joe Biden's policies the Democrat Party's policies are causing harm to children. Yeah, mm-hmm. big time. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, that stuff doesn't make it into the mainstream media. However, whether it be those frontline border correspondents, we have had several times. He's a great friend of our show, Jorge Ventura, join us. He's a great documentarist that works for the Daily Caller. He's done work on both sides of the border and uh, is just one of those guys that is manning it. To all of these, uh, you know, people looking to represent their states in, in some context, whether it be, you know, you as the Secretary of State of Arizona, we, Linz Piper Loomis was on there recently, Josh Barnett, who's also running in Arizona, so many, you know, in, in Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Texas, et cetera, that have gone down there and, and really seen it firsthand. And it's like life-changing to see underwear hanging from trees, dead bodies along the banks of rivers or out in, in parts of the wilderness that aren't easily accessible by you know, normal humans. And, uh, you know, it, it just, Ron, is- and, and while you're talking that the, so the whole underwear hanging from trees, people, people don't know what that means. That is a rape tree. Yep. And w- when Tom Holman spoke, um, like you say, tearfully from the stage, he was talking about a little girl that he had scooped up who had the DNA of 22 different men as part of the rape kit that they did on her. can you imagine no wonder the left doesn't want to talk about this you want to talk about an emotional article or or, or, uh, an emotional um hot button they can't even i I can't even imagine that they are so that their moral compass is so broken that they don't see a problem with that yeah and then they want to vilify anybody who stands up and says, we have to put an end to that. That's what we were subject to um, over the uh, over the weekend down in McAllen, Texas. I mean, the, the ladies with the women fighting for America, I, you know, have been doing a good bit of work with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy Hutcherson, who is their their leader, along with, uh, you know, I, about a dozen women who put helped to put this thing on. They have a genuine I mean, think about this for a moment. Women have this just deep-seated desire to love on children. I mean, they, it's that nurturing part of a woman. Yeah. And I tell you what, these women are on the war path, so the left better come looking out. I, they, they better be looking out because if they can't bring themselves to recognize that children are being abused – their political days are over. Yeah. They just don't know it yet. Yeah, they don't understand how much that voice is going to be amplified after these midterm elections of people who not only truly care and advocate for this issue, but have seen it, a lot of these things with their own eyes and are using it as part of their campaign platforms to just bring awareness to, okay, there's a border crisis. They, you know, they hear, oh, there's a whole bunch of people, 2 million people. They hear, oh, people are bringing in COVID, but then, oh, people are bringing in some drugs, but they just don't get down to like the very specifics, the human trafficking, the sex trafficking, what kind of drugs and how much, and then how much it affects this country. It's one of those things where, uh, you know, you're going to see a huge amplification of that, I believe, after the midterm elections with all these candidates to run in with that as one of their, uh, you know, top campaign uh, uh, platform points. And it's just so insane because the, they see what's going on. They're aware of what's going on, but politically speaking, they cannot acknowledge it because it goes against what their team is pushing. Yeah, well, what their team is pushing, and it's very clear now, is the plan to replace American voters who are legal voters with illegal voters from other countries. Yes. Yeah. They, they want to have a Venezuela. They want to have a place where 
power is concentrated with a few elites and all the rest of you are discardable. That's what they want. And they've, they've been very clear about it. They do not give a wit mm-hmm. about children, about, you know, I, I think back on the, the commercial with a Republican, I forget who it was, rolling granny off the cliff in a wheelchair. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Who's really the party that's focused on that? And I think the Democrat Party has done a very good job at, at, at trying to shift the focus off of themselves and onto somebody else. That's called projection. Yeah. And I, I'm at the point where I just I'm at this point, I think the Democrat Democratic Party is an ongoing criminal organization, ongoing criminal enterprise that is engaged in so much election fraud, uh, so much fraud at every level that uh, it begs a RICO investigation. Now, I, I don't want to go down that path, because when you start subjecting political parties to criminal investigations, that's a slippery slope. But. Interestingly enough, that's exactly what the Democrat Party has done to Republicans. They have weaponized the the institutions of government. And from the courts to Congress to uh, county prosecutors, virtually every institution in America has now been compromised. Yeah. Yeah. And we have got we have got yeoman's work to do to right the ship of state. And that's one of the reasons I'm running for secretary of state. Um, I, God has placed it on my heart that you're going to have this mission, brother. You are going to have this mission and I expect great things of you. And if you, if you will just help the people take back their, their country, their elections, uh, our children will be rewarded. So that's, that's, <laughs> I keep talking about elections are that belong to the people, not to the government. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I hear from coast to coast and border to border is people feel that justice has been denied and they're looking for a champion. Well, apparently that's my assignment now to be their champion. Yeah, it's uh, definitely something to to hear that, you know, that is a relief. And then when you look forward to after the midterm elections, perfect segue by you to bring us into that. It's definitely the next thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, we do have some, you know, uncharted waters to see what we're going to be doing with uh getting to the bottom of the results of 2020. And when you look at a possible awesome team of you and Miss Carrie Lake as governor, uh, it seems like a, a, a lot of the uh, equation there to uh, really be able to uh, take care of some things and uh, definitely get to the bottom of it without a cover up, without a fourth or fifth draft of, of an audit that gets released to the public uh, really being a possibility there. What are some of the things that you would look to do you know, working with the next governor of Arizona after the midterms that, uh, you know, would make the people feel that we finally get a disposition on what happened in Arizona? Well, so the I think that we we, we have seen the last of the forensic audits. OK, Agreed. the purpose of the forensic audit, as much as the left wanted to destroy everybody having anything to do with it in the result. It was a an opportunity for policymakers to see, okay, what's broken? And are there things that we need to do to secure elections? Are there things that we need to do to take the thumb of, of somebody off of the scale of justice and off of the, the, the fairness equation? And I think that if, if for no other reason, it did that. It also revealed um, both incompetence and criminal behavior. Now, of course, the left is going to say, oh, all it did is show that there was 153 vote discrepancy. Oh, no, on the contrary. 
Um, and, and that's, again, the Marxist media wants to gloss over all of the things that were wrong. Well, if we are a nation that lives under the rule of law, that means, and I hear this word, this kind of came up over the weekend. I haven't seen enough evidence to compel me to change my mind. This is some of my colleagues. Okay, why is the word enough in that? I mean, if you've seen evidence that we had an election that was irredeemably compromised, how, how is it that scale ends up being the determining factor? Right. I mean, we have three counts now where we are able to show that elections, uh, we, we can't legitimately name a winner. Maricopa, Pima, and Yuma. Yeah. Okay, that's irredeemably compromised. That means if we take those votes out of the system, and by the way, I'm, some people might be critical of me for uh, putting up this idea, but if you don't punish the people who cheated in a big way, they're just going to cheat again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so if you're going to cheat, here's the, here's the consequence. We're going to remove, we're going to set aside the election that you cheated in. That means we don't count anybody's vote because it's irredeemably compromised. All right, you do that. And now you're starting to see some behaviors that might change a little bit. But I, I think that the role of the Secretary of State, um, probably the, the single biggest thing we need to do is we need to um, aggressively scrub our voter rolls and make mm -hmm. sure that people who are qualified electors remain and those who are not are removed. Yeah. Remember, our, our biggest job, I think, the 30,000 foot view job of the Secretary of State is to make it easy to vote, but hard to cheat. Yeah, that's that's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, I am I'm joining my my one of my colleagues over in Louisiana. I'm calling for Arizona. In fact, I have a statement out probably sometime in the next day or so about this. So you're getting a scoop. Nice. Um, I, I'm calling on us to remove ourselves from Eric, which is the election um, data pool yes. of, of voters across states. Um, it's there are some things that are very disturbing that have come up. And that is the access of, by political operatives to the data. You start looking at the, the Pew Research or the Pew Philanthropy outfit. Okay, that's, that's kind of in the same camp as the George Soros bunch. Anytime those fingerprints are on something, um, there's probably a problem with it. So uh, I would like to see us go to something that is a, a voluntary database that you participate in. Um, I think there's a couple of other options out there. Um, this compact that we have with other states that allows political operatives to um, get into the data as opposed to just receive the data, that's unacceptable. Yeah. That's um, then, of course, I think that uh, the, the role of the Secretary of State is to faithfully execute with fidelity the laws that the legislature puts into place, not to go out and engage in consent decree uh, in fact, I would even support, um, both as a legislator and as Secretary of State, I would support a bill um, that refers all consent decrees to the legislature before approval oh. or for the legislature's approval. And the reason I say that is because we've had these sue and settle things that have gone on with Perkins Coy and, and yep. Katie Hobbs, who's the secretary right now, 
oh, please don't sue us. You go to court. And what happens? The executive branch and the judicial branch collude to make new law. That's not how our country was designed. So one of the things that I would probably uh, engage in, uh, depending, and of course, this would be a, a case by case review. I want to look at the consent decrees. And if they do not serve the interests of free and fair elections, we vacate them. Yeah. That's a biggie. Seems pretty simple enough, right? I mean, if they don't reflect the interests of the people who are actually going to be participating in those elections, and especially after all the issues we've had, you know, across the country, Arizona was was just one of several. You talked about voter rolls. That stuff was already we've seen voter rolls scrubbed in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan and Georgia already. In addition to those national databases, you talk about people being able to not just be able to look at the numbers, but maybe even manipulate them. And then you're just talking about you're playing with a virtual scorecard is is what you're doing in real time. And, And it's one of those things where we just can't have those uh, ever, ever being, you know, happening again in all these, uh, well, states that people now right. consider swing. I don't think Arizona is blue, never no. will be. Uh, Arizona is so far from blue, it's not even funny, man. That's why they had to cheat so much here. Yeah. So, I mean, there are technologies that we can use, that we can employ um, to help give us an early warning system mm-hmm. of cheating. Now, one of those, in fact, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys follow the Gateway Pundit, but oh, yeah. they, he, this morning there's an article out about Dinesh D'Souza's uh, movie that's coming where they track 2,000 mules. Yeah, the teaser. Ballot harvesters. Oh, yeah. The teaser for that movie it looks incredible. Yeah, so, I mean, that's going to be a great movie. But I think what's what's – I understand the technology that they've used. Um, and, frankly, whether people know it or not, this they use this in the movie um, movie house industry. Every time you go to an AMC movie theater, the other theaters have created a geofence where if you have your phone with you, they are harvesting your information and they know what movie house you went to. But even more so, the um, movie companies, you know, like AMC and all these, um, they harvest your information off your phone. They match that up with your ticket purchase. Yep. So if you think that your your data is secure, it ain't. Now add to that the fact that we can. Uh, in fact, we've we've already done this over in Yuma. We can track an individual going from this place to that place repeatedly. All right. Now is that too big brotherish for some people? Mm, perhaps. But if you've got somebody who keeps showing up at a voting ba- at a voting place, dropping off ballots, okay, that's ballot harvesting. Yeah, that's yeah. a crime in Arizona. And when we when you find that person do it seventy two times, okay, that yeah, you better, you better go be to driving jail. a bus. Somebody's got to go to jail. Yeah. And then when you you're able to find where that individual came from, if that's from a well, let's say that a, an office of a five hundred one c three close by. Okay, they're not supposed to be engaged in political activity. And if that individual is leaving from that place over to a polling place and dropping off ballots, that 501c3 status needs to be revoked. So I guess the question for me is, um, do we have the ability to track individuals? I hate to use the term track. Track probably to identify individuals who make repeat visits to the polls. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's one thing. Now, am I saying I support it? I don't like anything that's big brother. Right. That's one of the reasons I think that the only way that we can prevent this 
is to re-engage the people in the elections process. You know, yes. everybody says, well, you know, if we have, we're going to have long lines if people have to come and vote and we can't have mail-in ballots. Okay, do you want long lines? And maybe you're going to have to take a day off. Maybe we make it a state holiday. Holiday. You're going to have to show a little bit of patience. You might have to, to lose out on some free time. But if your ballot is as important as the currency in your pocket, probably more so since it actually drives how the currency in your pocket will be valued and whether or not you're going to have some of it in your pocket, perhaps maybe you should take just a moment and take voting seriously. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something that I think, uh, well, we've established people are willing to wait in line for things that are much more trivial lately too. Yeah. Coffee at Starbucks, coffee at Starbucks or getting somebody to swab your nose. You want to circle back to AMC. You talk about a little Spider-Man three. Oh yeah. There you, you know, go. A lot of people want to see that. Yeah. So Mark, this was awesome. Finally getting to sit down and talk with you today. You're running an amazing campaign. We played some audio last week or not last week, a few weeks ago of when you were at the Trump rally, you spoke there. It's really good to be able to uh, see you getting that platform that, you know, all your hard work is paying off for the people of Arizona. And we really hope that it rolls right into you being the next secretary of state there. We want to direct as much traffic uh, for not just our Arizona listeners, but nationally of people who want to help out your campaign, whether they're sharing your social medias or donating. So why don't you tell everybody where they could find you? So they can find me at votefincham.com. That's V-O-T-E, F like Frank, I-N like Nancy, C-H-E like Edward, M like Mary.com. And all my social media links are up on the very top. Um, I, I tell you what, we are we're just a few months away from either saving the republic or losing the republic. Fact. Mm-hmm. That is a fact. And what I, what I fear is that folks will not take this seriously. Now, locally, that's where you make change. So my, my humble suggestion is visit my website, click on the donate button. If it's 25 bucks, okay, every single dollar matters. And think about this. If you go to McDonald's, how much are you going to spend for lunch? Probably 10, 15 bucks. Too yeah. much. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you, you respond to a, a, a congressional candidate, they're going to ask you for thousands of dollars. Yeah. I'm asking for 25, 50, hundred bucks. That's it. We had 8,000 donors in our first financial report. Wow. Now I have to raise another million dollars between now and the end of this reporting period. I'm not going to be able to do that by myself. Mm -hmm. So if your listeners can just take a minute and visit votefincham.com, they can click on the donate button and they can give. The other thing that they can do is click on the sign my petition button. That will help me get on the ballot with electronic petition signatures for me. That's my nominating petition. So if they click on those two buttons, that'll be great for me. Um, and if, if you want me to, to be your champion for free and fair elections, I'm already on that battlefield. Yeah. And just remember something, a soldier that doesn't have bullets is only a target. Yep. 100%. And bullets in this war are dollar bills. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I really appreciate your time. This is the man that's looking to be the next secretary of state of Arizona, Mr. Mark Fincham. Thanks for joining us today on steak for breakfast. I'm liking all these guests. Yeah. A lot of them, a lot of them have strong military backgrounds and, uh, you know, whether they were Navy SEALs or in the army or the Marines, the Navy, um, we're, we're glad to get them all on the show and to hear all about, you know, their service, which we all thank them for. And then 
that being a part of the motivating factor that got them to run for this country. They all have an extreme amount of discipline too, which they're taking into their campaigns, which has got to be a plus. What isn't a plus is the woke agenda that's getting spread throughout our military right now. Trash. And uh, John Kirby, who's the Pentagon press secretary, was hard-pressed on Fox News, well, about as hard-pressed as they're going to do it. Um, Talking about all this critical race theory bullshit that's being interwoven into trainings for young men and women who are volunteering to serve in our armed forces right now. And he kind of pushed back on her. I want you guys to hear this. On some criticism in the U.S. military that that perhaps there's too much of a leftward tilt or a wokeness in our military when we face really determined adversaries, committed adversaries uh, in China, Russia, Iran, who maybe don't have those same kind same kind of pressures. How do you respond to those criticisms? Well, I, you know, it depends on what they are, but I think a lot of it, quite frankly, is is driving a stake through a straw man here. This this uh, this argument of of wokeness in the military. I, I was in the military for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you things like diversity and inclusion, that makes us a better military because it brings to the to the fore in the decision-making, operational decision-making that we conduct yeah, better yeah. ideas, more unique perspectives, somebody else's lived experiences which might actually make us smarter on the battlefield. So I mean, those, those kinds of arguments I, I, think, uh, I, I think are uh, ridiculous because right. we are a stronger military because of our diversity and because we represent mm. all Americans just like we defend all Americans. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does that mm-hmm. make you feel? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Not so much. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't even want to kind of weigh in on that. We all know what it is and why it is. Right. If those are even the right pronouns, we're gonna have to. <laughs> we'll have to run that by general pronouns. My pronouns are honk honk. <laughs> right now they are. Uh, and, and and as we kind of wrap today, no, I'm very sorry. Thousands of apologies. I lied. There is one clip of me. Uh. He was on with Chuck Todd this weekend. And as we're going to kind of round this off in our last couple of clips here, uh, I don't think this one's going to get fuck Chuck Todd trending, but uh, <laughs> the death dealer himself kind of weighed in on uh, boosters and all things. Like we've been, we've seen this before. We felt things were going well. Then Delta hit. We felt things were going well. Then Omicron hit. And I guess the question is, It looks like this week that has gone a little bit under the radar. There's a lot of other news headlines this week. The administration has decided not to continue to pursue the vaccine mandates. Perfect. In general. Are we going to regret this with another variant, say, in six months? Well, I'm not sure the word regret uh, is is the right word, uh, Chuck. I think it would be unfortunate because we do know as much pushback that one gets for uh, requirements or mandates, if you want to call it that, they do work every time they've been implemented, be it at United Airlines or Tyson's Food or any of the other big organizations. It does work. So I think the pushback obviously is an issue for people don't want to do that. That is going to slow and impede the broad, comprehensive way of getting this outbreak under control. I think there's no doubt if you look at history tells us in our dealings with yeah. other viruses, be it smallpox, polio, measles, when you get the overwhelming proportion right. of the population vaccinated, you get quite good control. But those ones work. Yeah. Ones. Well, here's the way I look at it. It's actually this is a pretty decent take. What do you guys think? Everyone's so mad over the last two weeks. Chuck Todd absolutely shitting on the Biden regime and all the 
radical progressives coming out and talking shit about him on social media. He brings in Dr. Fauci, but is anybody really watching him anymore? Nope. Probably nope. not. Like, even people on their team don't like him anymore. Yeah. It's like, because he's like, oh, it's so, I, I think it's unfortunate. But you you know what he's really saying? It's unfortunate I won't make another $100 billion. Yeah. <laughs> and then you could just talk about all the hypocrisy that goes into this whole COVID narrative. We saw it blatantly exhibited over the weekend at the uh, NFC Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers and the LA Rams. Um, all of your favorite ghouls and demons uh, from the left coast were in attendance, namely Gavin Newsom, Magic Johnson, London Breed, oh, yeah. Eric Garcetti, etc. And, and all filled up the luxury boxes there to uh, take in the game with all their friends and drinks and probably hot pockets, mask-free. Hugging, cheering, taking pictures. Gavin Newsom lied. Well, he had it in his hand, and it had it hanging off his ear at one point, so right. he had it with him. But he least. did make an original statement that said he wore his masks for religiously the, the whole time. Except to take pictures and eat or drink. Not religiously, yeah. but you know. Well, yeah. isn't Magic Johnson immunocompromised? I mean, shouldn't everybody be masking around him? Well, not according to the South Park episodes. <laughs> well, saying. and if you go back, you know, according in the, the, in the, the old Wayback Machine when... Fauci was actually saying that what AIDS could be spread by close contact. Mm-hmm. Well, right. And then, you know, Luc Montagne that went out in, uh, I forgot what country in Europe, I believe it was France. He actually is a Nobel Peace Prize winner of discovering the HIV virus. And he's been on record saying multiple times, your body, HIV does not cause AIDS and your body can get rid of HIV if your immune system is is healthy and you properly supplement and eat right and take care of it it does it what killed people obviously to those who haven't listened because i might have mentioned this before was fauci's protocol and, and his, his his bullshit pcr tests yeah, and his therapeutics. The virus, a virus that's what killed people even children at the time so yeah it's all it's all bullshit no don't worry gavin newsom took to the uh took to the tv yesterday to uh repent for his sins Actually, he didn't. But, uh, you know, don't worry. You you still have to wear masks, mandated jabs, and you're, et cetera. You're correct. I was very judicious yesterday. Yeah, judicious. Uh, yeah. Very judicious. And you'll see the photo that I did take um, where Magic was kind enough, generous enough to ask me for a photograph. And in my left hand's the mask, and I took a photo. Uh, the rest of the time, I wore it, uh, as we all should. Uh, False. Not when I had a glass of water. A glass of water. Thing. And I uh, encourage everybody else to do so. And, uh, and that's it. Okay, here's the well, deal. Well, that argument was compelling and rich. And, and the uh, best part about it was so many videos have come out, you know, after he made those statements basically saying that he was lying. <laughs> um, you know, London Breed, we've caught her so many times. Eric Garcetti, we've caught him so many times. Uh, just, you know, locking their people down in the mis- most dystopian ways possible and then just doing whatever the fuck they want. There had to be somebody recording just for shits and giggles the entire thing, just recording Newsom. There was a lot of footage last night on Tucker of him just sitting there with no mask on. Yeah, like walking back and forth with no mask on. Yeah. He lied. He yeah. essentially lied because he didn't think people had receipts and they waited for him to lie and then produce the receipts. Got him. So why do you why does he even go out and say like like say all this stuff that is he wants to live a normal life and you know go yeah, out but and it's do completely things. a lie and he's gonna get called out for it and it's only gonna work against him. It's like at this point, do you not like even them? Do they not realize they're just does it really work against him? He'll at just this take point? his emergency powers decoder ring out again and lock us down if yeah. we don't do what he wants. Which which is which has always been the case. 
and uh, you know something that I'm sure we haven't seen the end of yet, especially here in California. So you know it's one of those things as we uh, we'll continue to track it. Kind of COVID's going away, thankfully. Hopefully the mandates will be going away as well. And as we move forward with that, we'll just uh, keep reporting it in every way possible. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, steak for breakfast today. It's a lot of show. A lot of show. A lot goes into uh, four exclusive America First interviews. And don't you dare ever suggest, even though Adam Laxalt, who was a former attorney general, that Mark Fincham is running for one and not the secretary of state because he'll hold you right there, cowboy, and make you correct yourself. Um, One thing that you'll never need to correct are all the places you can listen to Steak for Breakfast podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, Google Podcasts, FM Player, and now iHeartRadio. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show credits today. Thanks to all of our guests, Miss Carrie Lake, future governor of the great state of Arizona, Mr. Eric Greitens, the former governor of Missouri, and soon-to-be state senator there. Uh, someone who's running for Secretary of State in Arizona, Mr. Mark Fincham, and running for a House seat looking to represent Texas 17, Jason Storm Nelson, all contributed to uh, help making this show great again, in addition to our internet friends. Cagbro88, the Patriotic Babe Accounts, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, Mr. Garbaggio, Christina Bob of OAN, and of course, Tom Pappert, Editor-in-Chief of the National File. Friends, don't forget to go out and give some uh, humble patronage to our partners on Steak for Breakfast. My pillow. Sales lower than ever before. Giza, dream, everything. Prices lower, not sales. Sales bigger, prices lower. Yes. <laughs> Talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The website's mypillow.com forward slash steak, and don't forget to enter steak at checkout for big, big savings. Odyssey, the top tier of ear gear. Can be found at odyssey.com. No, I kind of want a pair. Yeah. This one's been bugging my ears lately. Can you build me one? Can, can you have one built? We can ask. Perfect. You get what you pay for at odyssey.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. Piece plastic. Picture that means near and dear to you. They melt it, they shape it, they attach that picture. It looks awesome. Concealing your firearm under your shirt. They melt it for five seconds. As a beer coaster or a dump tray, etc. You can find them at stayreadygear.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat. Noah kind of mistreated his meat last show. I fell asleep. It happens. <laughs> but believe me, before it got a little overcooked, he bought it. He shook it. He rubbed it. He smoked it. A little bit longer. I wrapped it in bacon. It was wrapped in bacon. The bacon's the only thing that saved it from being completely dry. And guess what happened? It went into both of our mouths. It was still delicious. It was. You can find them at manrubs.com and on Facebook and Instagram. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. He's been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's got a large selection of all things related to firearms. Shotguns, rifles, pistols, ammo. And you can find him on his newly redesigned website at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. Oh, Via the telephone at 619-870-6992 or on Facebook Messenger. Uh, Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. They love the Fire IG, and they love wearing Mediocre Medic gear both on and off duty. Found at MediocreMedic.com. And last but certainly most least, 
the top tier of Tactical Flare, home of the Zero Fucks Duck, Dump Box. Go talk to Mark Joe Friday, Facebook Messenger. Find him on dumpbox.us and on uh, Instagram as well. Upcoming shows. We had a whole bunch of scheduling going on over the last 24 hours, so bear with us here. On Friday, we're going to have the president of the New York Young Republicans Club, Gavin Wax. In addition to him, we're going to have an America First interview with Tony Cloudon, who's running for a House seat in North Carolina 4. On Tuesday, the 8th of February, running for a U.S. Senate seat right now, out of Arizona, Blake Masters. In addition, running for the governor of the great state of Texas, Colonel Allen West will be joining us as well. Then we get into a, a little bit of the heavy schedule in here. On Friday the 11th, we're going to be sitting down to do the news with our favorite Stop the Steeler, Miss Christina Bob. We're going to have an exclusive interview with the Raw Egg Nationalist. We're going to have an America First Roundtable, New York edition, with Desi Quaylar looking to represent New York 14 and Andrew McCarthy out of New York 23. And Susan Hart from Texas 3 is going to join us as well. So Noah looks really sad about all the editing that's going to happen on that day. Got a whole page of it over here. Doesn't get any better after uh, that. The following Tuesday on the 15th, we're going to have an exclusive interview with Darren Beatty. No other intro needed. We're also going to be sitting down with uh, one of the mans behind the amazing therapeutics available for uh, treating COVID, Dr. Zelenko. One of the mans. We're going to have Roland Lopez looking to represent Texas 38 and in his first America First interview since announcing his candidacy for New Jersey 3, Mr. Ian Smith himself will be joining us back on Steak for Breakfast. Nice. Yeah. Moving forward after that, on the 18th of uh, February, we still have got Marilee Staples, who's looking to represent Georgia 6th. And then an exclusive interview. This is a big state exclusive. He was demoted and fired by Joe Biden for pushing back against the vaccine mandates. Robert Green, formerly of the Navy, will be joining us in his first ever interview here on Stakes. Friends of the Week. Mike Crispy wanted to be in Friends of the Week, and he's always going to be one. <laughs> so we'll put him in it this week. In addition to him, we got Real Brenda Memes, Grand Old Memes, Dank Elvis, Mostly Peaceful, Midnight Mitch, Hugh White Memes, What I Mean to Say, The Duke of Memes, The Silent Meme Jordy, Sublime and Slime, and of course, you know what? I noticed the day before every show, Pubertos sends me some videos to our DMs just so they get in the Friends of the Week. Nice. Things to uh, remember between now and uh, Friday when we'll be uh, sitting down with a whole bunch of people is, uh, what do we got? What do we usually say? can't remember. My brain's completely fried. This is a long ass show. Oh, do your own research. I forgot that uh, Mark Fincham was running for Secretary of State and I called him an Attorney General, so he fact-checked me. He'd probably do a good job either way. And uh, is gonna be an amazing tag team duo with Carrie Lake. Uh, in addition to that, start a podcast because in addition to all my verbal bumblings and Noah's edits and Antoinette laughing at us, which you can't hear because we mute her on the outro. Um, she's up. She's up. Oh, is she? Yeah, start a podcast. pretty easy. And last but not least, like Papa Cheeto always says, let's see what happens. This has been episode 104 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back with episode 105 on Friday. And on behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Goodbye. Have fun editing. Antoinette? Bye, guys. See you Fantastic later. as usual. Everybody, thanks for listening. And take care.
63 million votes because the press is corrupt, totally corrupt. The press is the enemy of the people. All right? They're totally corrupt. The hell you will. He's got a two-day head start on you, which is more than he needs. Brody's got friends in every town and village from here to the Sudan. He speaks a dozen languages, knows every local custom. He'll blend in, disappear. You'll never see him again. 